The Incomparable Summer Superhero Spectacular, originally posted Summer 2015. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. Something very special we're doing, and by special I mean we don't know what we're doing, and it's crazy, and it's even worse than a draft. We have decided to perform this summer a a, a tournament, if you will, of uh, comic book superheroes, or superheroes in general, not all of them necessarily from the comics, although almost entirely. Uh, 64 heroes will enter our arena, and in the end, one hero will be crowned the incomparable superhero champion, and it's all meaningless. Oh, God, why are we doing this? Uh, here's how it's going to work. I am your host. I have uh, I have consulted with a team of experts to create a 64 superhero bracket. Uh, they've been ranked. Uh, you should be able to find a link to the tournament bracket in the show notes. And um, I have uh, I have brought some of our fine panelists together to uh, to defend the honor of these heroes. The way it's going to work is we have 32 pairings in the first round. Uh, there were a couple of play-in games in honor of the NCAA for its ridiculous play-in games in the NCAA basketball tournament. But generally, we're going to have 64 uh, teams, or 64 heroes, 32 matchups. Each, uh, in this episode, each hero will have about a minute statement from an advocate of theirs. And uh, then a cruel panel of judges will decide <laughs> the victor. The cruel panel of judges are these two gentlemen, Philip Michaels. Hello. Hello. Are you ready to be a cruel judge? I I have been training to be cruel all my life. Mm. And Steve Lutz is the other member of the judging panel. Hi, Steve. Hello there, Jason. Although this may be the dumbest thing we have ever done, I will endeavor to be a fair and impartial judge. I appreciate that. <laughs> Are we going to do a bracket for the dumbest thing the incomparable has ever done? Because that Ooh. I'd listen to. Draft. I hear a draft. <laughs> The stupid episode. The dump draft. <laughs> I, I have opinions. Next summer. Um, should Phil and Steve, who are both agreeable chaps, uh, not, be, <laughs> oh, it, not yeah. be able to agree? That may be the dumbest thing you've ever Steve, done. Steve and I are like two peas in a pod. Yeah. Then, then, in the end, it will be my job to break the tie and declare a winner. Each hero who wins moves on to the round of 32. Each hero who loses is sent to the negative zone of our hearts. They become the legion of substitute heroes. Something <laughs> like that. So um, I will introduce our advocates in this round. Our advocates are Chip Sutterth. Hello. Hello. Dan Morin. Hello. It's only now hitting me how terrible an idea this is. <laughs> really? It took that long? How dare well, you? It's kind you're of sinking losing, in. You're losing every debate tonight, Morin. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Anatko is also an advocate. Hello. Jason, you, you have to start calling yourself the Grandmaster. That's, that's the only way to give this thing legitimacy. Truly, this is a contest of champions. Lisa Schmeiser is also an advocate. Hello. Hi there. Monty Ashley, an advocate for his cause. Excelsior. And Tony Sindelar. Hello, nerds. All right. I wow. like how Tony is doing his best to court the audience early on. He's getting ready. He's he sounds like he's, he's not on too brand. sure of himself. He's saying, on brand. I am a little intimidated. You know, I feel like I know a lot about comic books, and then you see you see Elisa and Amanti and uh, and and other folks across the table from you, and you're like, huh? What did I sign up for again? Um, so you know, in in, in your favor, Tony, uh, Phil, and I, the uh, the judges are probably the least knowledgeable people on comics in the known universe. What? I don't know how that helps. 
Which one of you is advocating for Richie Rich tonight? Because he <laughs> is really cool. Richie mm, Rich versus Little uh, Hot Stuff. Eileen Eat. Casper, I don't know. Eat the rich. Eat the rich. He he has some uh, sanctions against him and is not eligible for postseason play. Sluggo is Sluggo in the bracket. <laughs> so here's how this this round will work. Uh, each advocate's going to advocate for their uh, their hero for a minute. Uh, they're not in th- th- in this round. We are not looking for arguments about why their hero is better than the other hero. We would just like to hear an argument about why. this particular hero is great or awesome or cool or whatever. Something positive about their hero. They'll be given about a minute. Their opponent will be given about a minute. And then the judges will render their verdict. So consider this. I hate to say this. A a series of lightning rounds, which means we'll be here. This is part one of ten. (laughs) (laughs) Worst idea ever. We begin in the central city region. With a uh, a matchup between a, a number one seed and a number 16 seed. But first, we must hear the results of a play-in match played earlier between Marvel's <laughs> The Beast and DC's Hawkman. Andy and Notko, who was the victor of the Beast versus Hawkman play-in game? Uh, Beast won in a walkover because all the different Hawkmen that DC has predicted couldn't decide who was going to put to the field. Time ran out and Beast won in a, in a default. All right, that that is par for that is a good way to start. So, Be- Beast uh, Henry McCoy will be going against. He's the number sixteen seed. Will be going against top seed in the Central City region, the amazing Spider Man, advocated by Dan Morin. Uh, the low seed goes first because I just decided that. Indianatko, <laughs> you have a minute to advocate for the Beast. Please go ahead. Thank you, Grandmaster. Uh, the Beast <laughs> is awesome because he's a genius who beats all the usual tropes of a fictional genius in that he's currently one of the Illuminati, so he's definitely top drawer. But he's fun-loving, he's socially well-adjusted, he jokes around, he's never had a drive towards megalomania, and all of that is at odds with the fact that he's, you know, a beast. Uh, he's supposed to be a gorilla or a cat. Either way, he's supposedly blue. Let's put that aside. But that's just cool anyway. Even there, he's pretty much been steered clear of all the tropes of being a beast. He's not struggling for acceptance in a world that fears and judges him. Yes, but only in the sense that he's a mutant and he feels like he's allied towards mutants. He's not just a beast. Uh, he's not particularly weird looking within that group, so he feels familiar there. And there have been some storylines where they get him into being a misfit. And yes, he used to wear a rubber human guy mask. But the stories about Hank McCoy tend to focus on the person the character moreover he's working for mutant rights in addition to fighting he's and he's got an interesting point of view in that he's sometimes with the avengers sometimes with the x-men he fights with and alongside and against all of them and he associates him with the, the people who feel as though it's possible that for mutants to become part of society so he's aspirational mccoy is an aspirational character and that's why he's awesome also because he's blue all right he is blue dan morin please advocate for spider-man uh, counter argument. Um, he's he's Spider Man, so he's kind of you know. <laughs> Dan stole my kind of Batman a, argument. Kind of <laughs> I mean, do we do we need to go down the list? Does uh, he, he, with a he does spider? whatever a spider can. <laughs> he spins a web. Spider Man, of whom you speak. Yes, Dan, Dan. I have some questions for you. <laughs> please, please. I'm I'm happy to answer questions. Uh, Dan, my first question is: Is he strong? Boy. <laughs> Uh, yes. Yes, he's got... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry, that was incorrect. The, the answer I was look, looking for was, listen, bub. He's, he's got, got radioactive, radioactive blood. No, I mean, blood, I, apparently. <laughs> I was not finished with my, my list. totally radioactive. Includes his ability to spin a web at any size. Any, 
Any size. Giant city wide web? Sure, why not? Any Dan, size. Dan Morin, another yes. question. Can he catch thieves? Uh, he's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. No, just like just like would you let me finish? The judges are interrupting me in the middle of my answers. An exciting round one upset. Dan, Dan, you you are definitely playing the part of a public defender. Your heart is not in this. You just want to get to the next item on your docket. Okay, let me notice how nobody heckled Andy during his round. So let's just yes, we waited until because I actually had an argument. It's mean to be. We thought you were. Done with. Uh, we thought. Wow. You I thought it would be like three or four Spider-Man. before we went off the rails. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Have you been listening to this podcast, Tony? Really? No, you guys are awful. I don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> Judges, I'll go first. Um, I stand um, behind no man in my admiration for the Beast. However, Spider Man is one of the great iconic superhero figures. However, times two. Dan Morin's defense of Spider-Man was as weak as a kitten. I rule in favor of the beast. Wow. Steve. Oh, that was a gavel noise. That's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, Spider-Man is iconic. He's, uh, he's a hero I grew up with loving. Um, he's out there on his own. He's not hanging out with some team of fellow nerds. Finally, somebody is making a good argument for Spider-Man. I can't in good conscience go with the beast. I've got to go Spider-Man. But in future rounds, I fully expect someone <laughs> to sing the entirety of the Spider-Man song. If, if I were to sing the Spider-Man song, would that sway your vote at this juncture? Only if you sing it about Beast. Beastie man, beastie man, does whatever a beastie can. Can he look like a cat? Yes, he can. Look at that. Watch out. He is the beastie man. I'll allow it. We're still in the first one, are we? We have, we have, yeah, we're still in the first one, Monty. Uh, we, we have, the, the judges are split one to one. I will cast the deciding vote. Uh, despite Dan's uh, incompetence, I will say you know that Spider-Man is better than the Beast. Spider-Man moves on, but it was well played. Right, so, so what? If, I'm told now that I can heckle during any of these. Is what is what the gloves are off. Interesting no, idea. Once, you, okay. no, once you're done, I, I think. That no, no, I, I don't think there's any rules argument. here. I think I think the rules are what we make. I think that that may be that may be true until we until we decide the rules until we you force us to make rules. Well, let's move on to our next matchup uh, in Central City Region. Uh, the eight seed Aquaman, friend to all the fish. Will be uh will be advocated by Lisa Schmeiser against one of two Blue Beetles in our tournament. This is the Ted Cord version of the Blue Beetle, who is going to be advocated by Chip Sutter. A tough eight versus nine matchup. Uh, lowest seed goes first. Chip, please speak for Ted Cord, the Blue Beetle. Okay, guys, wrap your brains around this wild concept a millionaire with high-tech gadgetry but no superpowers puts on a suit and fights crime huh that seems kind of dumb oh sorry oh this guy's this guy's battle cry is however just four words blah ha 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 i give you a character created by spider-man creator steve ditko a wisecracking insecure acrobatic guy with a gun that shoots i kid you not Bursts of compressed air, or it acts like a strobe light. 
So why is Blue Beetle, a member of the historic and histrionic Justice League International, one of the great superheroes of all time? Because he's fun, good-natured, and he symbolizes the best of DC Comics in the late 80s, something that you rarely see in today's comics, a sense of humor. Thank you, Chip. Lisa, please speak for Aquaman. 70% of the globe is covered in water. There is all of one dude who's in charge of all of it, from the deepest trenches to the most beautiful Polynesian shallows. He does it despite merciless mockery from people who could, who assume that, that he's the useless dude from the 1970s Justice League cartoons. He brooks no crap. Um, and uh, he uses his telepathic animal-talking abilities to do things like have whales generate tsunamis. He pals around with sharks. Um, Aquaman is, is – is, he, he takes no guff off anybody, which is exactly what you want from, again, somebody who has the power to hang out with sharks. And you want him on your side for that. Boom. I rest my case. <laughs> All right. Uh, always good when an advocate ends with the sound effect boom. <laughs> Question for Ms. Schmeiser. Uh-huh. Go for Does it. Aquaman have a hook for a hand? <laughs> As a matter of fact, Judge, he does have a hook for a hand, and he often screws on different things to it, too. So it's not just a hook. Sometimes it's a pretend hand that has superpowers. Sometimes it can have rope, so he can cast out and catch things. Or a spatula? Does this hook shoot compressed air and or strobe lights? No, that's why he has fish. Because there are actually animals in the there are actually animals under the sea that can do both in lethal amounts. Well, sure. If you want something that'll shoot compressed air for you, lethal mm-hmm. amounts of strobe lights. A to, you know, look. A mark of leadership is knowing when to delegate and when to have other people play to their own strengths or other fish. I have to, I have to cut it off here. This is not meant to be a debate. It's two statements and then we move on. Judges, I've heard all I need to hear. Aquaman has a hook for a hand. Therefore, <laughs> Aquaman is the winning superhero. Steve. Um, you know, it's, I'm excited about the gun that shoots compressed air. That sounds pretty great. Uh, not sure what he does exactly. Um, make you laugh, I think. But, uh, yeah, well, that's true. That's true. But, uh, I, I gotta go Aquaman too, largely because Lisa led with the exact same argument that I used when I picked Aquaman in the superhero draft. (laughs) Sucking up to the judges never hurts. Can't argue with the volume of water on the surface of the planet Earth. Aquaman <laughs> moves on to the next round uh, by a vote of two to, two to zero. And we move on to our next pairing in the Central City region. Uh, number five seed, the Silver Surfer, advocated by Monty, going up against the number 12 seed, the She-Hulk, ad- advocated by Lisa. Lisa, please speak your mind about She-Hulk. I think one of the greatest things about She-Hulk is how she embraces female stereotypes and then completely subverts them. She's unabashedly female, even when she's giant and green and filled with muscles. And she's fun-loving. She parties. She likes hooking up with folks. She goes to the beach. And she fights crime. And she's a lawyer. This is somebody whose entire character quest has been about embracing and integrating all of the different aspects of the personality that make her herself. And that makes her one of the most honest and transparent uh, superheroes in the candidate. It also makes her a really happy exception to the whole, no one must know about my secret identity thing going on. So because she doesn't have that baggage and because she does a good job of trying to stay true to herself while also taking advantage of both her brain and her brawn, She-Hulk is super awesome. All right. Uh, Monty, the Silver Surfer. 
The Silver Surfer looks great. Even that awful Fantastic Four movie, he looked awesome. And who doesn't like the idea of a dude just surfing around outer space and occasionally having cosmic powers? He's basically our entree into the whole Marvel cosmic universe, since he originally appeared as Galactus's herald coming down to Earth and saying, Look out, we're going to eat your planet. After that, he had his own series where he spent every panel moping about how awful life was as a cosmic-powered being. He's the ultimate tortured hero, and in conclusion, surfing is totally cool. All right, strong points there, Monty. Uh, judges, uh, let's start with Steve. What, your, what are your thoughts about Silver Surfer versus She-Hulk? Interesting. I can't disagree that Silver Surfer looks great. He is one of the coolest-looking heroes of all time, although the moping aspect of things kind of drags him down a little bit. She-Hulk, interestingly... A lot of female scenario types. It seems like she does. She goes to the beach. She hooks up with folks. She does it all. She sounds a little like Green Barbie to me. Mm. Um, so it's a it's a tough decision on this one for me. Um, but I'm going to have to lean with Joe Satriani and go Silver Surfer. Interesting, Phil. Well, I don't believe either of these uh, heroes has a hook for a hand. So you're no, going to have to find not. some other evaluative uh, <laughs> measure. It's interesting in that Silver Surfer is mentioned quite prominently in the movie uh, Crimson Tide, which is a delightful motion picture. <laughs> However, Silver Surfer is also featured in a movie called The Fantastic Four 2, which is a terrible motion picture. I must uh, side with She-Hulk in this 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 decision. This decision. Yeah. <laughs> I appeal this decision on the grounds that you can't pronounce it. <laughs> Sustain. But do you appeal the decision? <laughs> no. Overruled. I ru- I rule for She-Hulk. Uh, this is a very difficult one for me. Um, I think both arguments were excellent. I think these are interesting characters. She-Hulk, uh, a modern character with a lot of uh, a lot of uh, things to support her. Silver Surfer, the history uh, from the Galactus moment up to the present day, the current Silver Surfer comic, very interesting as well and kind of a departure. I feel like um, in the end, I think She-Hulk has had even more uh, uh, self-titled series canceled than Silver Surfer, although both of them have been canceled a whole lot. Um, in the end, I'm going to buy a nose. I'm going to pick the Silver Surfer. No! So Silver Surfer advances two to one. So close. Buzzer beater there for the Silver Surfer. He used the power cosmic. This injury is real. Sorry, Shulky. Sorry, Shulky. I, 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 love, uh, I love the She-Hulk. But sadly, we must move on. Uh, our next matchup in the Central City region, four seed Kitty Pride of the X-Men, advocated by Lisa, against number 13, Jonah Hex. Advocated by Tony Sindelar. Tony, you are the underdog in so many ways. Please (laughs) (laughs) advocate for Jonah Hex now. Why don't we have underdog in the lineup? Oh, my God. I'm I'm, guessing I hate myself. Also recruiting violations made underdog not uh, viable for this turn. Well, performance-enhancing drugs. Um, he, Jonah Hex may require some introduction, because I'm guessing not many folks here have read a Jonah Hex comic, and I'm not going to tie him to the very unfortunate uh, Josh Brolin movie. Uh, don't don't pay any attention to that. Uh, so Jonah Hex is a classic DC comics from the Wild West, and occasionally the weird Supernatural West. Uh, and he is a former Confederate soldier turned bounty hunter. Uh, and his he does not really have any superpowers other than kind of being uh, very ugly and unkillable. Uh, 
Uh, and he goes on various adventures in the Old West, shooting people, wrestling wild animals, collecting bounties. And he is kind of your your classic hard-drinking, cynical anti-hero, uh, always looking for his next dollar. He's basically Philip Michaels with a hat. Done. Oh, Interesting. All right, I'm going to vote Kitty Pride. <laughs> Interesting. We will have a debate later about whether being really ugly is a superpower or not. Lisa, Kitty Pride, uh, please go ahead and, and discuss Kitty Pride. Perhaps her her most uh, profound superpower is the fact that she was introduced to the X Men as a proto Wesley Crusher, i.e., a precocious teenager with supernatural gifts, and yet she managed to completely subvert the the trope and became instead one of the linchpins of the X Men franchise from her introduction in the early eighties to today. Kitty Pride has the power to phase through objects, sure, and that's interesting because she can drop through things, she can disappear when necessary, she can alter the physical properties of people she touches. And she's a genius, which is super handy, too. But she's also one of the the beating hearts of the X-Men. She brought out the humanity and the better impulses in people like Storm and Wolverine and... Um, her colleague Colossus. She has been a bearer for human human and or mutant rights, uh, asking people to consider the inherent humanity in us all, no matter what your gifts. And... Uh, she is also the reason that she, she's also been a really graceful transition point for spinoffs like the New Mutants and um, X Factor, Excalibur, a lot of teams that have gone on and allowed mutanity, as it were, to spread across the globe and make the world a better place. So there we go. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Judges, uh, Phil, let's start with you. He's looking for a hat to wear. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I appreciate the fact that uh, Mr. Sindelar if I may call him that, has uh, compared me to Jonah Hex with a hat. Mainly in demeanor. In demeanor and world philosophy. I cannot get past the fact that Jonah Hex is ugly. <laughs> well, <laughs> not he. <laughs> Distinctively. You know, I he has the mark of a demon. If you got the mark of a sure, demon. Sure, I find you in contempt. I rule for Kitty Pride. Well, you know, I know where you're, bar- you know. I, I see how this court is going. He's not boffable. Uh, Steve, very Hollywood about this. Steve, what is your ruling? I do like the hard drinking uh, supernatural types. Uh, I, but I was listening to uh, to Lisa's advocacy, and I I was kind of my eyes bugged out when I heard her start with proto Wesley Crusher, as though that was a positive, <laughs> and then realized that somehow uh, this character managed to subvert the proto Wesley Crusher uh, trope, which I would have thought was nigh on impossible. So for that reason alone, I've got to go Kitty Pride. All right. Kitty Pride moves on. Uh, Jonah Hex may be unkillable, but he is defeatable. He has been sent away. Just like at the box office. <laughs> Just like at the... <laughs> oh don't mention God, Josh Brolin. I did three in a row. Now I can rest for a little bit. Yay. Take, take a break, Lisa. <laughs> Our next matchup in the Central City region. Number 11 seed, worthy to carry the hammer of Thor. Beta Ray Bill, advocated by Chip. Going against uh, Shazam. You may also know him as Captain Marvel advocated by Monty. Uh, Chip, you are the low seed. Please go ahead. Okay. Um, I'll grant that it may be kind of cool to get your powers from lightning, but it's another thing to have the power to make the lightning. Beta Ray Bill's one of the first Marvel characters able to lift Thor's hammer, who is not in fact Thor, and he thereby gained the same powers, but he's not just some warmed-over second-rate Thor. Check this. He comes from a race of peaceful humanoid aliens, 
but he gave up his um, humanoid alienity and it was transformed into a bestial, horse-headed half-machine to defend his people as they were escaping from a burning galaxy full of demons. So, why Beta Ray Bill is the greatest hero of all time is because he's a floor wax and a dessert topping. He is the Mighty Thor and he's a badass cyborg. And frankly, his hammer looks cooler. All right. Strong points. Monty, Captain Marvel, Shazam. Yes. Captain Marvel, now officially Shazam, because even lawyers get tired of arguing after a few decades. <laughs> Captain Marvel is a better version of Superman. Instead of being an alien who learned to be a good American because he grew up in the wholesome cornfields of Smallville, he's actually, literally, a good-hearted, naive child named Billy, who also turns into a burly superhero. His villains are enthusiastically weird. He's got a monster society of evil. He fights Mr. Mind, a telepathic worm who is a genius. Plus, Captain Marvel was very important in comics because he goes all the way back to 1940 or so, but he still doesn't have a dark side. There's no stupid Frank Miller reimagining of this guy. He's still a cheerful, optimistic guy who flies around and punches evil in the face. All right. Thank you. Very, very nice. Uh, Steve, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, I'm going to have to go Beta Ray Bill on this one for one reason and one reason only. Uh, as a youth growing up, I remember seeing the Thor comics and uh, and thinking it looked like the dumbest thing ever, um, you know, until today. Uh, and then, <laughs> thank you. Then I ran across uh, the cover of what I guess is Thor number three thirty seven, which I'm looking at right here. And it uh, it has uh, Beta Ray Bill on the cover in the Thor armor, swinging his hammer, uh, smashing the word Thor, and it made me want to read a Thor comic, which is something I thought could never be done. So uh, it's Beta Ray Bill for me. Phil, what are your thoughts? I, too, hate Thor with every fiber of my being. Steve's <laughs> arguments have moved me. Steve's arguments? Don't listen to Steve's arguments. This is a general rule in life. I was hoping that my arguments were in there somewhere. Uh, I roll for Beta Ray, whatever his name is. The, <laughs> the dumb space horse? Yes. That guy. He Ooh. seems okay. Well, are we, have, we, have, we have our first upset. Beta Ray Bill has defeated Captain Marvel. Um, and, uh, Steve, that's, that's like my favorite comic book cover ever too. And I had that same reaction, which is Thor was really boring. And wait a second. Now there's a space alien with a hammer. I'm more interested. So, uh, Beta Ray Bill in the upset moves on. We will move to our next round where Green Lantern advocated by Chip, the number three seed in the central city region will be facing Hawkeye. This is the 14th seed Hawkeye. This is younger Hawkeye, Kate Bishop. Not older Hawkeye, Clint Barton, who we'll be hearing from later. Uh, Kate Bishop, uh, advocated by Dan Morin. Dan, will you please go ahead and advocate for Kate Bishop Hawkeye? Absolutely. Well, my respect for the Green Lantern Corps is second to none. But Kate Bishop doesn't have a magic ring. She has guts and chutzpah, which is Yiddish for guts. Um, but she's basically, so with a person with no superpowers, she is essentially like, at one point, I think the Young Avengers try to rescue her, and she basically turns out to essentially help rescue herself, and then the rest of the Young Avengers, like, you guys are terrible at this. Not only does she, like, talk smack to both Captain America and uh, Hawkeye for basically not doing their jobs well enough in terms of, like, training these these younger heroes, um, she essentially, you know, basically goes out on her own, takes her own initiative to become a hero. 
and earns the mantle of Hawkeye in her own right. She's pretty much uh, almost as good an archer as Clint Barton. She's the only person who will sort of like not take his crap and like calls him on his stuff, which is awesome. She helps him fight crime, not like big like superheroes necessarily that are or supervillains that are always like trying to like destroy the world, but like serious crime problems that affect people who live you know on the streets so she's got like that whole like blue collar aspect to it which is which is great i think she's 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 a pragmatic practical superhero and she just super kicks ass in pretty much every way and and clint barton even with his dog cannot keep up so i say kate bishop all the way I, i got a quick question before we move on uh, so she's Hawkeye and Clint Barton is Hawkeye at the same time? How yes, that... they are actually they are actually both Hawkeyes. Co-Hawkeyes. They are co-Hawkeyes, indeed. In fact, there is dialogue where they will say, after you, Hawkeye. No, no, after you, Hawkeye, because they, they yes, they, they were, she was, I think she was added as a Hawkeye. <laughs> oh, and then, and then he well, was brought back as a Hawkeye, stupid. and then they, t- they team up, and now they're both Hawkeyes. And which one of them is a surgeon in the Korean War? Uh, that would be... <laughs> That would be Alan Alda, who is uh, an eight seed in a different bracket. <laughs> I rule for Trapper John. <laughs> Chip, please go ahead with your uh, discussion of Green Lantern. Okay, but I'm kind of in trouble here because I've got a good friend who cosplays at Kate Bishop. So apologies in advance. But Oh, you're eliminated right now. Oh, hey. No, continue. Continue, yes. It's totally on the up and up. Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, is the greatest wish fulfillment character in comics. He's got a magic ring. It's it's science, but come on, to a 10-year-old, it's totally magic. It, that can do anything as long as the wearer has enough willpower. Flight, energy beams, space travel, s- solid light constructs with which you beat the tar out of bad guys. Great costume, too. But two things for me put Green Lantern over the top as the greatest hero of all time. Uh, first, he's a devil-may-care test pilot. He's a... F- fearless thrill seeker that's a lot of fun in characterization but second in contrast soon after he gets the ring he finds out he was chosen to be just one of 3,599 other space policemen in the Green Lantern Corps and at its best this contrast between a lone test pilot and the member of a huge police force he's a complicated compelling hero and he's the greatest hero of all time may I ask a question uh, sure. Why did you <laughs> select Hal Jordan? <laughs> Jason's given up already. Instead I was going to say no, but I'd really rather hear the gonna, question. Was, uh, Instead of Kyle Rayner or John Stewart or even uh, uh, Guy, what's his name? Guy Gardner, honey. Guy, what? Guy, Guy English? Guy English is Green Lantern? What? Yeah. Guys, spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, in In order... No crab face, no vest, and he was and he was robbed out of a place on the Justice League cartoon. I'll allow it. All right, Phil. What's your what's your verdict then? I was moved terribly by um, the argument in favor of the uh, not crappy Hawkeye. <laughs> Kate Bishop. Kate yes. Bishop. Yes. Yes. Not, not crappy Hawkeye. We will also accept the not crappy Hawkeye. However, I will accept Green Lantern as presented to me. Green Lantern uh, moves on to the next round. Well, you don't get you don't get to say that without Steve's. Ah, oh, Green Lantern moves on to the next round. Steve, what do you feel? <laughs> um, wow. Well, I gotta say, uh, a magic ring has never fallen on my list of wish fulfillment items. 
But um, you fool! It, it's like getting more wishes. I I don't know. I find the I find the whole conceit kind of lame. That said, the whole co Hawkeye thing. I think that feels kind of. I mean, you know, get it, get your own name, woman. <laughs> she earned that name. Well, then why didn't he uh, surrender his name? He did for a while. He was did like he? Ronin, Ronin. And he had like he, all he these other Ronin crappy names. Like he pretended yeah. to be a ninja for a while. Well, that that even that weakens the Hawkeye argument even more. If I may, if I may interject, Steve Hawks have two eyes, right? <laughs> Thank you, Monty. Yes, Hawks usually have two eyes. <laughs> Want to? Yeah, they are born with two eyes. Right. Wow, so, this is the the worst birding podcast I've ever tuned in for. <laughs> <laughs> Best one for me. <laughs> then again, I can hardly fault there being two Hawkeyes when there are thousands of Green Lanterns, so I'm going Hawkeye. Mm. Interesting. So that that is a split decision. Uh, it, it falls to me. Um, I saw the Ryan Reynolds movie, so Hawkeye Kate Bishop moves oh, on. Yes. Oh. Son of a... <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. Well, another upset because Thank of Thank you, Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds, wherever you are. That is a bad, 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 bad movie. You have so. a lot to answer for, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we move on to our next round. Uh, number seven seed, Ms. Marvel. That's uh, Kamala Khan, advocated by Dan. We'll be going up against Kamala Khan. Kamala Khan. Kamala Khan. Kamala Khan. Not, not Shaka I mean, let Khan. Me, let me she <laughs> is the 12th seed in the funk division. Uh, number 10 <laughs> seed, The Flash. This is the Wally West Flash, not uh, the more familiar Barry Allen Flash that we'll be talking to later. Advocated by Chip. Chip, you are the underdog. So please advocate for Wally West as the Flash. Well, uh, the the previous Flash, the Silver Age Flash, Barry Allen, he was killed off in the 80s during DC's Crisis on Infinite Earths. And on one of the last pages, his former sidekick, his former sidekick, Kid Flash, Wally West, he was wearing a new costume and said, from this day on, I am the Flash. And this is one of the few times that a sidekick has actually lived up to the dream of succeeding his partner. The neat thing about Wally is that it wasn't a comfortable transition. He At first, he could only run at the speed of sound, and he also acted like a real jerk because he had a massive inferiority complex. Over the years, though, he grew into the equal of his predecessor. He was just as fast, just as noble, but he hung on to this sort of ADHD personality that he had, which makes a whole lot more sense for a super speedster than the bland, classic Barry Allen. Wally West succeeded the DC Universe's first and only genuine saint. And in so doing, he became more interesting by far. Chip, the two-minute Time Lord uh, muscles are working really well in this one-minute uh, superhero format. I'm just, I just wanted to point that out. Uh, Dan, you got your work cut out for you. Tell us All about right. Kamala Khan. Well, I, I guess I'm drawing a, a theme here with these spunky uh, teenage girl heroes because Kamala Khan, who is from Jersey City, um, is exposed to some me- me- the uh, inhuman mist that makes her manifest these powers where she can shapeshift. Um, and she's, as a big comic book fan already, she, uh, she sort of takes it upon herself to use those powers for good, even, you know, in sort of a typical comic book hero way, saving you know, a, a fellow classmate of hers who she doesn't really like, but, you know, was in trouble. And so that's what heroes do. Um, and so Kamala is a, among other things, writes fan fiction about 
like superheroes. So she's kind of all, uh, you know, well, well grounded in that whole reality. Um, but she also has her own struggles because as sort of growing up as a Pakistani American, um, and a Muslim that she's like dealing with these different, uh, cultural issues. You know, she has like, um, to deal with her, her parents who are very restrictive about certain things. And so it's hard to like sneak out and be a superhero where your parents are kind of like, you know, grounding you and stuff like that. So she's got this sort of traditional teenage hero lens, but seen through sort of a, a different angle of the American experience that we haven't really experienced as much with superheroes. Um, and she's also pretty kick-ass. She takes on the name Ms. Marvel um, in inspiration from Carol Danvers, who is now Captain Marvel, and decides that, you know, she's going to make that sort of hero identity her own. And she has awesome shape-shifting powers, which really are super cool. All right. Thank you, Dan. Uh, Steve, what are your thoughts? Hmm. It's a tough one. Um I like the idea of the kind of fan fiction fangirl suddenly becoming a hero. That's an interesting angle, um, although it sounds an awful lot like uh, Buffy the supervillain slayer to me. Mm. Um, and I'm surprised to hear that there is a, an, an inhuman mist in New Jersey somewhere. That's uh, <laughs> really that's surprised. It's quite a twist. Please don't make me cry. Don't talk about the inhuman magical mist that turns people into non legally actionable movie characters. What you don't care for the Terrigen mist or the crystals that generate it? I think that's totally makes complete sense. Order! It has nothing Off to topic. do with it, the fact <laughs> that Marvel wants to clear this courtroom into normal heroes. Steve, you far be it from us to have ridiculous things in comic books. <laughs> this comic book podcast has taken an unpleasantly nerdy turn. Bailiff, please pummel Andy. <laughs> Where the hell is my gavel? Mm, indeed. Oh, my empathy reverse is satisfied. On the other hand, I also like the idea of the of the uh, the the kid Flash taking on the mantle and sort of overcoming his own personal uh, Aspergers or ADHD or whatever it is that he has in order to uh, become a better hero. So this is a this is a tough one. Um, you have done an excellent job of re- of restating what uh, the the two arguments were. What was well, you know, I had to turn it over in my head from all angles, Jason. I am that conscientious as a judge of heroes. So let me roll this die here. <laughs> And uh, it came up flash. All right, Phil? Mr. Morin would have us believe that shape-shifting is a superhero power. Shape-shifting is cowardice, sir. I rule for the flash. All right, the flash. <laughs> Wally West moves on. Her, super, her, her superpower is not waffling. <laughs> I'm reveling in my victory, and yet I'm appalled by the grounds for the victory. Thank, thank you, Chip. Thank you, Chip. I, I, then I, I rule for, I would like to then I rule for the other chick. She wins. It's too late. <laughs> See, mo- mo- most, most Chip, Amer- Chip most American and I will shake hands across the aisle. to roll the dice in chambers. They don't do it, like, actually in front of the defendant. That's, that's bad form. Uh, the uh, final uh, pairing in the first round in the Central City region is, again, a battle between Chip and Dan. This time, Dan is the underdog. Chip is going to advocate for our number two seed, Captain America. And Dan is going to advocate for our 15 seed, uh, suggested by Dan, and please explain who he is, Solar Man of the Atom. Well, if you don't know who Solar Man of the Atom is, you're really missing out. Uh, Solar Man of the Atom goes back to the six, early 60s, sort of out of the, the fear of the nuclear age. Um, he's a scientist who is exposed to, obviously, huge amounts of radiation and become sort of a being of uh, largely of energy and power. He is, in the Valiant comic universe, the most powerful, basically, being alive, including at one point, I believe he uh, 
the universe is destroyed somehow and he, he just remakes all of it because he is like he's kind of like you know he's got like a dr manhattan vibe going on but he's also just like this scientist and he deals with a lot of these like psychological issues of how to how to be the most powerful man alive because it's really hard to deal with you know having a normal life when your body is like composed of basically a nuclear furnace um so he's got a, a very a varied history he was originally one of the gold key heroes and uh, acquired by valiant but i i particularly love his 1990s storylines in the the valiant comics universe um, where he gets to meet up with a bunch of other characters and has that sort of uh big universe uh arc where he has to sort of remake the universe because it is essentially destroyed so uh, i know he's a less popular hero and he was seated pretty low but he's a he's a really cool dude all right chip okay i really ought to hate captain america he he's the Aryan ideal fighting against Nazis. He literally wraps himself in the flag. He's a soldier. He barks out orders. He's got a rigid moral code. And and, and he's at the pinnacle of human conditioning. And how did he get these powers? Steroids. So why do I think Captain America is actually one of the greatest superheroes of all time? Because he does, in fact, have a superpower. He's got unmatchable idealism. He believes that he and his country can and must do better. He challenges his teammates. He challenges his government to not be expedient or to pragmatic, but just to do what's right. He's an amazing fighter and, and an acrobat and a tactician. But more than that, he's a conscience. And he, and, he ca- and he challenges the flag rather than blindly following it. Captain America, I give you. Solar, who's he? <laughs> All right, little dig at the end there. Phil, what are your thoughts? I have always hated Captain America and all that he stood for. However, I do not even remember who Dan was advocating. <laughs> oh, God. Therefore, well, I gave my best shot. <laughs> I must rule for the shit of all the superheroes, Captain America. What? <laughs> I actually don't have an inbuilt hatred of Captain America. I could take him or give him. Uh, but uh, Chip's advocacy of him was superb. And on that basis alone, uh, I have to give it to Captain America. Although I am intrigued by Solar, Man of the Atom. All right. Intrigue will get you nowhere except uh, a ticket home. Solar, Man of the Atom is, uh, is dispatched. He will be sad and blow up the entire universe. But he was happy. He, he was happy to just be selected. Uh, our trip to Central City is complete. That's right, folks. We're one quarter of the way done. Oh, my oh God. God. We'll be here all night. <laughs> I know. Hour one is complete. I have the entire next region off. Take a break. Have a sandwich. Yep. Good times. We could just, just do the West. Into the we, West. We are going to move to the Gotham region. What? <laughs> what? Tony says. Plate of the what? The, Goth- the Gotham region. Number one seed Batman is taking on number 16 seed Starman. Uh, Batman advocated by Tony. Starman advocated by Chip. Chip, you are a big underdog here. Uh, please explain Starman to us. I don't understand why I would be an underdog in this situation. I just don't. And for the record, I am not referring to the really, really well-written, really, really popular uh, Jack Knight uh, Starman character of the... No, no. I'm talking about Will Payton, dude. I'm talking about 
a character that was created in the late 80s for DC by Roger Stern. And he is one of the greatest heroes of all time because it's not just that he's almost as strong as Superman, that he flies almost as fast as Superman. He has heat powers almost as hot as Superman. He's almost as invulnerable as Superman. And he can change his appearance, well, better than Superman. Will Payton, Starman, one of my favorite characters of all time, has this as his character motivation. Ready for this? He just wants to help people. (laughs) That's it. Will Payton, Starman, the nicest guy in the DC universe. Boom. All right. Uh, and ended with a boom again. I love Jeff Bridges, by the way. <laughs> Jeff Bridges is great. I'm from Deloitte and Touche. Uh, I'm here to help. Tony, talk about Batman. All right. Uh, well, my notes say he's Batman. Uh, so hopefully you're all familiar with him. Uh, and, you know, apologies to the uh, the gentleman from Gallifrey. Uh, but Batman is, in my mind, the greatest superhero of all time. Uh, he's, he's one of the three in the uh, the, the DC Trinity. And, uh, you know, he's been around forever. He has had many, many uh, media adaptations, some of them amazing, like uh, the Batman animated series, and some of them uh, not as amazing. We don't need to dwell on those. Uh, but, but he has defined a lot of what other heroes are, you know, cribbed from generously. Uh, the utility belt, the uh, billionaire who is also an amazing scientist and inventor. Um, he has one of the greatest uh, rogues galleries in, in all of comics. Uh, he has probably the coolest ride of any superhero. Sorry, Ghost Rider. Um, and he's, he, in conclusion, he's Batman. Que- question for the advocate. Yes. Please square uh, your advocacy of Batman with the campy 1960s version of Batman. I was not alive then. I take no responsibility. (laughs) All right. How about the George Clooney version of Batman? I love Batman deeply. I have not seen that movie. (laughs) (laughs) I have watched the Batman animated series five more times instead. How's that? Hmm. All right. Judges? Yeah, um, Starman, uh, it seems like a lot of his identity is made up of the fact that he's almost as good as Superman. Uh, I'm afraid, however, he's not quite as good as Batman. Batman it is for me. Phil? I am moved by not uh, not Tony's argument in favor of Starman. <laughs> <laughs> Chip's number one nickname, not Tony. <laughs> <laughs> however... As my um, as my judicial colleague uh, Judge Lutz has determined, it is not merely enough to be almost as good as someone else. You must be good on your own terms. I'm disappointed by um, by the denunciation of 1960s Batman, who some of us hold in high esteem, <laughs> old chum. When did William Shatner join the podcast? Shut up, you! (laughs) (laughs) I rule in favor of Batman. Batman now, Batman forever. All right. Except not Batman forever. Not not Batman Batman and Robin. That's not a good movie. I have nothing but contempt for this court. (laughs) Good. Batman and Robin. That is the goal. We are moving on to a a tight matchup, an eight seed versus a nine seed. It is also, I I should say, for basketball fans out there, the only... Um, the only thing that appears in both this year's NCAA tournament bracket and the superhero bracket, it is uh, that would that would be Xavier. Uh, in this case, Professor Charles Xavier going up uh, against the Black Widow. Andy is going to advocate for the Black Widow and Lisa for Professor X. Lisa, you may go first as you are the nine seed and therefore the underdog. 
Professor X has one of the most thankless jobs in Marvel Comics, which is that he has to bear the moral responsibility of being an um, idealist while also acting pragmatically with with great, with a great deal of pragmatism. He is almost the Barack Obama of mutants <laughs> in that he's always disappointing someone somewhere by advocating a, call, a, a a reasoned, measured course of action, taking his progress in increments, and keeping his eyes on a goal that sometimes other people have difficulty seeing. He is, however, mostly tireless, occasionally canny, and relentlessly focused on his one goal, which is to make sure that nobody uses their powers or their human and or mutant nature to unfairly victimize others. He's for a more just, more perfect world, and he's for getting there using more just and more perfect methods. All right. Andy, please advocate for the Black Widow. Uh, my opening statement is that the Apple Watch makes a crappy, crappy stopwatch, as I proved during the first my first statement, and so therefore I'm switching to the iPhone as my timing device. Thank you, Court. Um, back, Black Widow is awesome because she's one probably one of the few characters where comic book continuity actually makes her cooler and not less interesting because she's had so many origins and so many things that contradict themselves. It works perfectly because she's a spy. She sometimes is a spy in the guise of a superhero. She's an Avenger, but she's still a spy. She is one of these people who gets stuff done, that gets the dirty work done and doesn't have a big problem with it, or at least doesn't let it interfere with the mission. Her proper role is not flying around on a super jet bike, fighting alongside Thor while she's firing a handgun. Her role is to be the anonymous person who is responsible for a death that got reported on page five of the newspaper, given no notice by anybody, but in doing so, she toppled a government 10,000 miles away. And not necessarily a bad government that was doing bad things either, just a government whose interests were getting in the way of those of the government that she's working for. So you have to trust that she's lying and cheating and killing and manipulating on the side of the angels, but you can never, ever be sure, and that's why she's a fantastic, cool character. Also, finally, she is just capable as hell, and we don't see a lot of that in superheroes. But is she handicapable? If that's the only way she's going to get into the embassy, she will shoot herself and whatever needs to be shot at to get the appropriate parking pass, yes. Interesting. Steve, what are your thoughts? Hmm. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely leaning uh, Terminator X. I think his work with, uh, with Public Enemy really, I think, uh, pushed rap to new levels. I think uh, Fear of a Black Planet is, is probably one of the quintessential uh, albums. Focused on the letter, are we? Uh, See, this is this is why when you can't fire what? chief justice, they're ninety three, they're ninety four, they're senile as hell. They don't know what's being argued against. Did, did I? Did I? I'm sorry. Was, it Mike, up? was my hot mic hot? I'm sorry. You're thinking of the basketball team, uh, the Xavier. <laughs> what, what what were we talking about? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I'm paying attention. Oh, I, I'm lost. <laughs> I believe you were about to decide in favor of Black Widow. That was the no, no, no. You were deciding for for me. Just Andrew. sign right here, Your Honor. Your Honor. No. Your Honor. No, but, but oh, the pen. in doubt, oh, go oh, for the ball. Professor guy. X. Professor X. Oh, the the bald dude in the wheelchair. Come on, it's Black Widow. Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Advocate Schmeiser is correct when she says that Charles Xavier has a thankless role in the X Men, and therefore I will not thank him. He is oh, a terrible character. No. I go for the, the Black Widow seven days a week and twice on Sundays. All right. Well, Black Widow wins the tight 8-9 matchup. We move on 
to a matchup between number five seed Daredevil, advocated by Tony, versus a number 12 seed Harley Quinn, advocated by Andy. Andy, as the underdog, you get to go first. Okay, you start out with a character that's perfect for visual storytelling. She has a great look about her. Also, she does things on a huge scale. She is not a spy. She's not subtle. She has no small emotions. Every reaction is huge. And one of her weapons of choice is an enormous hammer or a pack of wild dogs that loves only her and will do whatever she tells me to do, usually something incredibly violent. And then you throw in the fact that she herself can't see the consequences to her actions, and so therefore she acts with total abandoned and much violence now that's not great for every book everywhere but it's good for this one but oddly enough and this is what makes her awesome that's all true but there isn't a single mean-spirited bone in her body she has a warped sense of ethics but she follows that sense of ethics and bad directions and nobody gets splattered out of rage or because she doesn't think they deserve it but then there's this other thing that uh, that separates her um, unlike the Joker, I mean, the the comics don't get deep into the reasons why she is what she is. But we know enough of her backstory that we know that she is a talented psychologist who has a mental illness. And so there is an unspoken sadness about those stories as well. So we're enjoying this sort of comic book mayhem, you know, Looney Tunes, Warner Brothers stuff. But unlike the Joker, there's some sense of tragedy that gives it a little bit extra weight. She is awesome. All right. Tony, Daredevil. Okay, so Daredevil is a hero who, he doesn't defend America, he doesn't even defend New York City, he defends Hell's Kitchen, which is like, you know, a couple blocks where he lives. Uh, by day, he is a lawyer, and he uh, tends to, to, you know, pick up cases for defending, you know, kind of the most downtrodden and forgotten about people, and then he puts on some uh, red spandex at night and runs around, uh, which is particularly impressive because he is blind, but he has uh, kind of super sonar senses and acrobatic senses, uh, and perhaps his greatest superhero power of all is that uh, no matter how hard you punch him, he gets back up and he can take a beating uh, like like nobody. Um, don't worry about the Ben Affleck version. You, If you haven't seen it, you are not missing anything. Uh, check out the really cool Netflix version. Um, yeah. I don't know, Tony. It's pretty hard to see past Ben Affleck. Oh. <laughs> you see what I did I there? I see what you did there. Uh, <laughs> judge humor. I can't stand um, that you made that pun. Let's go to Phil for his judgment. I believe this is a superhero bracket, is it not? Yes, Ooh. indeed. Then why has mm-hmm. Harley Quinn been invited to the party? As I understand from Batman, she's not the a lawyer. Series, that she is a, makes her she, a hero. She, she is a villainous. <laughs> Therefore, I question her participation. In this. Are you throwing this case out entirely? I, I <laughs> have I, killed somebody in order to take their place. In the I, 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 there has been I no evidence presented, so I should cast my client in, in the light of a villain. I rule for Daredevil. All right, Steve. Yeah, uh, you know, I really like the depths of the character of Harley Quinn, and mm-hmm. the way she's presented by Andy is very, very compelling. But I, my understanding has always been that she's a, a villainess, uh, and I, I'm not entirely sure how she got in here. Who let this person in? She has a current comic book where she's basically a hero. Is that Suicide Squad? No, uh, she no, comes no, around Harley, the power Harley girl. Quinn. Yes. Oh, really? Well, whatever. It's Daredevil. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, whatever. It's Daredevil. That's the, it is so ordered. I'll take it. <laughs> so ordered. Uh, we will move on to our next matchup. 
number four seed, the ultimate Spider-Man, Miles Morales, who will be advocated by Monty Ashley, against the number 13 seed, Moon Knight, advocated <laughs> by Dan Morin. Again, you can you can ask, how did Moon Knight get in here? <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. What is Wait a, a Moon Knight? <laughs> I'm... I'm I'm glad you asked. My notes, much like Tony's, say um, simply he's Batman. Um, so, uh, <laughs> he's not what? wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm gonna take a bold the approach here. In his bright white costume. I, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm gonna take a bold approach here. Don't, don't vote for Moon Knight. The man's crazy. He's got like multiple personalities, <laughs> including most recently, I believe he has multiple personalities that are Captain America, Wolverine, and Spider Man. Just because that's how nuts he is. In his spare time, he apparently produces you know TV shows uh, when he's not masquerading in his various uh, personas as like a cab driver and a you know billionaire playboy. Um, <laughs> he's weird, man, and I don't know. He makes me kind of generally uncomfortable, um, even though he is sort of you know well trained as a, uh, a a boxer and a and a former marine and a mercenary and and now a costume superhero. But yeah, that that white suit kind of impractical. Um, having various like like a moon copter and like moon car, probably. I don't know. That's that's kind of nuts. So uh, yeah, he's he's crazy, man. He's crazy. <laughs> It's like the ninjas, the white ninja is the one that's really dangerous. <laughs> because he doesn't even need to wear Thanks, black. Thanks, G.I. Joe. Yeah. Uh, Tony, or sorry, Tony, thank you for Hi, chiming in. Monty, nice. please talk Slick. to us about Ultimate Spider-Man. Well, Miles Morales is Spider-Man. And first, I want to inform you, he does have radioactive blood. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Um, basically, you know how movies keep rebooting Spider-Man with another young white dude, and they give you the same origin story over and over again? Well, in the comic books, they had this brilliant idea of actually asking themselves, what would a poor orphaned boy in New York actually look like? And it turns out he looks like this half African-American, half Latino kid named Miles, who is awesome. He's a poor but smart kid, acts a lot like Spider-Man, but now he's half African-American, half Latino. <laughs> he's the Spider-Man of the future. Oh, that's Spider-Man 29.9. Not that far future. That's the far future. <laughs> the future of, like, next year or so. I have a question for Advocate Ashley. Yes, sir. How many goddamn Spider-Mans are we going to have in this competition? <laughs> as many, I can I can answer that. There are as many Spider-Men in this competition as Hawkeyes, um, as Flashes, and as people named Captain Beatles. Marvel. Yeah, I need Blue to Beatles. hear no more, then. I declare for the person who isn't the the... 8,000th Spider-Man. I... I was really hoping you guys would vote against that last Spider-Man for insufficient theme song references, and I could swoop in with this one. Although I think technically, Monty, he has uh, genetically altered blood. Okay. Bub. I am even more confident in my ruling. Uh, Non-Spider-Man wins. Steve? <laughs> yeah, you know, I tend to lean towards uh, if you want to make a new comic, come up with a new hero. Uh, but apparently people choose not to follow my guidelines when they come up with comic books. I don't understand why. Um, but I am also extremely confused by Dan's don't vote for Moon Knight Gambit. <laughs> I'm just impressed you could remember the name no, of no. the character. Gambit is later, Steve. Gambit is Dan, later. Are you trying to mess with my head? Explain it. I, I, don't, I don't really... Do you, what, do you think I'm an idiot? Do you think I'm a child? Dan, you've I already can't... won. Which Steve's answer? trying to rationalize it. Which question should he answer first? Um... Steve, let me consult my three personalities. <laughs> I'm going Moon Knight. Uh, oh Moon Knight with the upset. 
<laughs> oh, wow. An upset win for not Spider-Man. Moon Knight's going all the way! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. If, if it gets to Batman and Moon Knight, that's... Oh, wow. I don't know what we'll do. Oh, man. My heart can't handle that. It'd be like Spy versus Spy, wouldn't it? We now move on to an interesting matchup. Oh, finally. <laughs> now for something completely different. <laughs> Thank God. Finally Fans of the Batman will find it intriguing that we have... I am intrigued. Two, two <laughs> friends of the Batman who went on to also have different uh, roles. Andy will be advocating for uh, 11th seed Robin, Dick Grayson, also known as Nightwing. While Lisa will be arguing for number six seed Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, also known as Oracle. So it's extra confusing. <laughs> uh, pay close attention. Andy, please begin your advocacy for Dick Grayson. Uh, Dick Grayson, this is one of the these operatic scale characters in comics because she he has this really complicated burden of a father-son relationship with Bruce Wayne. That's really what this character is all about. He grew up admiring and respecting and emulating Bruce Wayne, and Bruce ra raised him and mostly made him what he is. So much of his story, though, is about his transition to adulthood. And adulthood is the period in which you realize that this person that you regarded as some sort of a god uh, is a human being who has limitations and even has defects. And so you decide what parts of him you would like to emulate and then what parts you'd like to succeed and transcend. And then there's the burden of him being so closely connected to Batman in everybody's eyes. He, he has a certain responsibility of taking up uh, Bruce Wayne's burden when he's unable to do so. Uh, and also at the same time, trying to find and assert his own identity. And then the most difficult part of his job of them all is to at times be Bruce's tether back to reality. When Alfred knows that the Bruce is going a little bit over the edge right now, who's going to, who's can he talk to that he will respect and who can actually bring him down to reality and speak to him on his level. There's only one person who can do that. And that is Robin slash night ring. All right. Andy, would you describe him as Batman's gun soul? <laughs> reference acknowledged. Actually, I was I was I was I was going to go for a Tales of Hoffman reference, but I didn't want to go into a tangent. I was running out of time. Lisa uh, Barbara Gordon, please speak for her. Her character arc has been defined by adversity. Although she was initially the bat, the Batgirl going out there swinging around, fighting crime, having a great time. Sisters are doing it for themselves. A tragic. Um, incident at the hands of the Joker rendered her paraplegic and once she had to retire from the active tights and flights crowd she reinvented herself as an information broker to the superhuman community uh, she correctly predicted that in the 21st century the first battleground uh, for good versus evil would actually be in information warfare and she's positioned herself to take advantage of that fortunately she works on the side of the angels but perhaps her most remarkable achievement as oracle is in assembling the birds of prey where she has effectively rehabbed several other women in the dc universe created an army Army of um, superheroines and uh, turn them into a professional network that has gone on to create several other successful team ups and inculcate the members with the kind of values of leadership where they can now comfortably lead the Justice League thanks to what they've learned under Oracle in their time of the Birds of Prey. She's an example of resilience, leadership, vision, and foresight. All right. Thank you. So there we have it. Uh, two people with strong connections to Batman. They also used to date. Mm, <laughs> oh, this changes everything. Super awkward.
They're, well, they're, I, they're just standing on their platforms, not looking at each other. Just Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Dick Grayson, to me, has always been the little uh, irritating uh, Adam West follow-along guy who says, poly, whatever, Batman. And that's that's a little hard to get past. Whereas Batgirl, <clears throat> I like the storyline of the character who who's overcome a lot. Uh, including, if the film Batman and Robin is anything to go by, a tragic lack of nipples, which, you know, that's that's a rough lot to draw. Uh, so I'm going to go with the, with Barb, Oracle. Phil? 1997's Batman and Robin presents a troubling precedent for deciding <laughs> in favor of either superhero. Uh <laughs> Robin is uh, 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 a yes man in a twit. Barbara is uh, really a follower, and uh, uh, as played by Alicia Silverstone, uh, one pie away from disaster. I, um, <laughs> however, O-M-G. it's like he didn't even listen to our and moved. <laughs> He's waiting and for moved Republican if president Erica so he can, can hold her tongue. <laughs> I am moved by uh, Miss Schmeiser's defense of Barbara Gordon. Her um, portrayal of uh, Barbara Gordon in the uh, Birds of Prey universe, I rule in favor of Batgirl Oracle. All right, Batgirl moves along as the sixth yes. seed. Sorry, chum. <laughs> you didn't make it through the round. <laughs> Ranking representative of the Church of Batman, I endorse this decision. Oh, good, thank you. Don't. <laughs> so like an archbishop. Wait, 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 wait. Dick Grayson so, so was be, Robin. So, so, so being in a Joel Schumacher <laughs> Batman movie is like playing Sun City. It taints you forever. Yes. It does. It does. That's the Ryan Ryan Reynolds rule, I think. But somehow Daredevil advanced despite that. Well, he got the whitewashing of the Netflix series. To- exactly. Yeah, you have the the hot new Daredevil. Moving on to another matchup, we have uh, Green Arrow, oh, who is going to so be advocated hurt. by Dan Morin of the Speedy Arrow cast. Don't mess this up, Morin. I love Green Arrow. <laughs> Against number 14 seed, Mr. Fantastic of the Fantastic Four, uh, advocated by Andy Anako. Andy, you may go first. He's one of the most important characters in the entire Marvel universe. There are a few handful. There are some characters who can save the city. There are fewer characters who can save the planet. Mister Fantastic has the smarts to figure out how to save the entire universe and all of reality. Unless there's unless there's a marketing thing involved, that's not his fault. He's he, he's a, not only a genius, but he's a creative genius like Mozart, where he makes these amazing leaps of intelligence to see things and ask questions that haven't been there before, and yet he does so with humility. He's the person who will, who will when, when he needs an expert on bioradiation, he will bring in another person and say, look, it costs me nothing to admit that you know more about this and you have more experience in this than I do. Let's work together on this. And yet, despite his responsibilities, he's still a good husband and father. Now, oftentimes he's depicted as the person who's tuning out his wife and his kids, but I prefer to see it the other way, that he is my, his mind is always on exploration. He's always one tenth of a second away from some sort of breakthrough that fascinates him, and yet he's always turning off the Super Bowl three minutes from the end on a tie score to be with his family. So he is a fantastic character, he's a smart guy, he's a good person, and he can turn himself into a rubber ball and bounce around. That makes him awesome. All right. Dan? 
well, Green Arrow, and I, of course, refer to the Oliver Queen version here, uh, is one of the great heroes in the DC Universe, uh, a, a major member in the Justice League, and just, you know, a, a, a great guy who I think has, you know, a number of things going for him. For one, you know, like so many other people, he, he is, he's under superpowered, so he has to take it on himself to do what he can with the skills that he has, which include being a master archer. Um, among other things, you know, he used to pal around with Green Lantern a bit. Um, they, they did a lot of stuff that, that dealt with sort of the social conscience, um, you know, and he, he had to like get his partner off heroin, man. Like that's, that's some serious stuff going on there. Um, he was stuck on an island for many years, which is where he learned many of his skills. Uh, and, and this sort of, you know, prompted him to come back and, and try to save his city. It was a very personal appeal there. And I, I think that's, that's a lot of what's going for, for Green Arrow. Um, and I will note that, you know, while he may not be the most, uh, the most high profile of superheroes, he's also not, you know, stuck in his like science lab all day. He's getting down the streets. He's getting dirty. He's getting, he's getting gritty. He's hands on. And I will point out as per Phil's earlier discussion, uh, shapeshifting is not really a superpower. So, you know. Okay. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Dan. Huh. Guy shoots arrows, huh? Yeah, I, I've noticed it's, uh, it, we have three arrow shooting heroes in this uh, competition. This guy has a uh, has a boxing glove arrow, though, so, you know. And, and so far, the, the arrows somehow have not come to the fore during the discussion. I think that's interesting as well. Uh, Steve, what are your thoughts about Green Arrow versus Mr. Fantastic? He, I yeah, think he came true. up with that hear, name himself. But. I didn't hear an awful. Yes, that's the humility of which Andy spoke. I'm certain on display right there. Um, yeah, I didn't hear a lot about what Green Arrow can actually do other than apparently get people off of hard drugs. Um, Which is impressive, you have to admit. On the other hand, Mr. Fantastic manages to be the least interesting hero in a team that includes a visible <laughs> <So> true. <laughs> um, I got a rule in favor uh, of Green Arrow. <laughs> Phil? I believe that Sue Storm initiated divorce proceedings against Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> I guess he wasn't that fantastic. <laughs> no, apparently what? not where it counted. Point, point, point of order, the, 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 the naminate in question also has a habit of leaving her family whenever things get tough, doing millions of dollars worth of damage to the Baxter building, instead of sitting down and talking things out and being wow. there for her Blame children. the victim. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Let's, why are we blaming Mr. Fantastic for this? Thank you very much. Someone on my side. Order. Order. <laughs> Judge Michaels, please continue your role. When you have a situation where even Sue Storm cannot stand to be around Mr. Fantastic, one that wonders like how fantastic he is. Storm, QED. Good heavens. I rule in favor like of the Green Arrow. Women, like a, green a Arrow moves on. on, on I, justice. You know, I'm a horrible so, I'm, I'm some sort of bench. thing. Uh, I, I'm on fire like a human torch, yeah, and I've turned invisible. Yeah. And I'll be called Mister Fantastic. Yeah, oh. yeah. Sorry, Andy. Mister Fantastic, better turd. than the rest of you. There's just yeah. no two ways about it. The man's a turd. That's a tough one. One. Pers- one person saves the universe. The other one puts up things. Hey, what if I put a boxing glove on the end of this arrow? It will only, fa- only go 12 feet. But yeah, that's the only thing I can get behind. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Ba- that bank robber that I always seem to face will be Half so Half the people laughing, on this bracket have saved the universe. It takes more than invisible. that. He can use his plastic arms to thumb for a ride. We are moving on to uh, another matchup Last in this week, round. Jason. Hmm? Must we move on? We must move on. Are we? (laughs) Number seven, Deadpool, advocated by Lisa Schmeiser, versus number 10, the Martian Manhunter. He does not... uh, Dan Morin, I'm going to have to ask you, just as a point of clarification at the beginning, is he a Martian who hunts men, 
or, a, or, or somebody who hunts Martian men. Or is he a Martian man who just happens to hunt? Anyway, Dan, you may advocate for Martian Manhunter. That's a great question, Jason. Is um, he made out of chocolate? First, I'd like to I'd like to clarify that Martian Manhunter is not uh, has not been and will probably never be played by Ryan Reynolds. I, I think that is an important point. Okay. Um, mm, I, I objection. He's trying to bias the judiciary. <laughs> um, Martian Manhunter. First of all, obviously, he is from Mars. He is indeed a he's a green Martian. Uh, I think Martian Manhunter is one of my favorite Justice League characters because, among other things, first of all, he's got a lot of awesome powers. He can fly. He can. Um, he's basically invulnerable. He can turn intangible and phase through solid objects. He can turn invisible. He has telekinesis, telepathy. I mean, he's basically, uh, you know, he could probably kick Superman's ass is all I'm saying. It's just, it's just a, it's a thing. Um, and so I, I think in particular, I like that um, Martian Manhunter, he ends up being uh, often sort of the, the voice of r- rational reason among the Justice League. And let me tell you, when you've got like an insane guy who dresses up as a bat, you need a rational voice of reason every once in a while. Um, Shh, and the Church of Batman is listening quiet. Shh. I mean, I think even Batman would admit that Martian Manhunter is a valuable presence right. in the Justice League. Okay. Lisa? Oh, Marvel's Merc with a mouth. I can't believe this is even a contest. Deadpool has the same type of superhuman healing factor that the that Wolverine has. Except, here is the thing, Deadpool can regrow severed, severed limbs. So he's like a starfish, except a starfish that kills people and quips a lot. And he's immune to drugs, but he's not immune to making a fun wisecrack. And he has a little pathetic backstory, which is always very entertaining. And he carries two swords on his back, and everyone knows swords are super cool. And because he's a mercenary with a big old murky moral background, he presents endless opportunities for really fun stories and or heel turns whenever it decides to serve the narrative. This is somebody who's richly layered and complex. Um, and uh, they make him a jerk basically because otherwise you have somebody who can regrow limbs and is immune to, to being to being dead. And you have to do something to keep him from taking over the planet. Anyway, Deadpool. Entertaining. Fun. A starfish with quips. I rest my case. To, to clarify, was he has he ever been played by Ryan Reynolds? Uh, you don't have I, to answer that on the grounds that it may incriminate your client. <laughs> I don't know, to be honest with you, Bill. Uh, what are your thoughts? Being a part, being being part of the Justice League does not convey dignity. <laughs> wow! Man versus every comic. Wow! Wow! That was uh, he's citing precedent there, the Aquaman precedent. Not being a part of the Justice League does not deprive you of dignity. Ooh. I rule in favor of Deadpool. Well, okay, Steve? Yeah, Deadpool, I don't know. I get so tired of characters who are primarily defined by the fact that they're quippy and sarcastic. And in addition, I should point out that the ability to regrow severed limbs sounds suspiciously close to shape-shifting, which... <laughs> you know, I'm not so sure about that. That's a precedent there, yeah. On the other hand, Martian Manhunter is so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> he has he has he has his cross your heart uh, upper support garment. <laughs> That's, That's an wonderful. interesting point. He actually almost it's almost a Zardoz thing he's rocking at the top half. Uh but I got to find for Deadpool. Deadpool moves on. And our last matchup in the Gotham region, number two seed Wonder Woman, advocated by Andy Anako, versus number 15, Wildcat, advocated by Monty. Monty, who the hell is Wildcat? 
Uh, <laughs> well, first, thank you for the entirely unbiased introduction. <laughs> Wildcat is an older DC Comics character who's an ex-boxer. That's pretty much all he has going for him. They claim he has the superpower of having nine lives, but he's been around for like 70 years and he very rarely actually uses any of them. So the important thing is just think of him as a guy who used to be a boxer, now dresses up like a cat, and punches criminals in the face. <laughs> All right? But here's the thing. He's really good at punching people in the face, and as an ex-boxer, he's one of the few people with an actual justification for his fighting skills. In the DC world, he's the guy that trained Batman to fight. He also trained Catwoman and Black Canary, and anyone else who they... Re who the story requires to be a good fighter, they eventually have to wave their hands and say, uh, Wildcat trained him. Because Wildcat is almost the only guy in DC who's actually justified in being a good fighter. I thought Liam Neeson trained Batman. He also owns, he owns a gym. Won't you think of the small business owners? And also that guy with the ponytail in space. All right. Thank you, Monty. Andy, uh, speak for, for Wonder Woman. Who's that? Wonder Woman, she's an icon starting off. Uh, she is part of the Trinity. She's such a significant character, not only in what she is, but what she can represent to all the other characters that DC simply said that this is the he's a, she's one of the three characters that forms the basis of all the superheroes inside the DC universe. She is a princess who fought very, very hard anonymously to win the right to leave the island and be the emissary from this paradise island of warriors so she left she left this island armed with the knowledge and training of all kinds of weaponry all kinds of fighting and basically as much smarts as you can put inside a single body all for that however she's not there to kick butt she she embodies the idea that you don't always have to be nice in this world, but you almost always do have to be kind. She is the person whose presence in the room not only puts together a sense of peace, but also a sense of severity of the situations. Like she, she has set foot in this room. That means that things have just gone up about 10 times. She will give you the opportunity to understand that you don't have to fight this out. This is a stupid thing that you're doing right now. We can do things differently. But if you do decide to fight, you are almost certainly point, going point of to order. die. Uh, on this point, uh, Andy, I, I have to ask, would you say that she would uh, make a hawk a dove, stop a <laughs> no. war with love, perhaps make even a make a liar tell the truth? Tell the truth? Well. Indeed. Interesting. I've been watching that show, and she has done none of those things. <laughs> and who wants to, I don't understand the line, get us out from under Wonder Woman. Who wants to be all, out all from under Wonder Woman? <laughs> this is not a debate. <laughs> you make a strong case. It is time for the judges to rule, Steve. What are your thoughts? Wow, I love the uh, the idea of a character whose entirety is I'm an ex-boxer who punches people in the face. Um, <laughs> on the other hand, man, Wonder Woman, that theme song is so good. So good. Can I point out that partway through the second season, they stopped singing the theme song at the beginning of the show? Monty? She's in her satin tights. She's fighting for her <laughs> rights. And the old red, white, and blue. I find for Wonder Woman. I can't say it, but I find for it. Mm -hmm. It's a curious case of Benjamin Button. <laughs> um. <laughs> Guys, I think Scalia's gone Harpo again. Yeah, I think <laughs> some some he needs a, he needs a hardworking clerk to cover cover up for this. Some of his special thinking juice, I think. <laughs> Bailiff, get the shaker out. Like Steve, I admire the ability to punch people. 
However, <laughs> Wonder Woman stands head and shoulders and corset above well, among so other many, things. <laughs> so many other uh, superheroes. One cannot rule against her in this early round. I rule in favor of Wonder Woman. I was very sad to argue against Wonder Woman, given that I'm actually being paid to write about the Wonder Woman TV show right now. That we, we've completed two brackets now: the Gotham Hooray! region and the Central City <laughs> region. We have we have we have learned much. I need some Gatorade. <laughs> I need to replenish my electrolytes. Yeah, I need some Gatorade too. Quotes. <laughs> I'm going to continue my special brand of swift and stupid justice. Was Chip out all that last bracket? I had Starman, and that was it. Starman. Oh, so basically, yes. That would send me to drinking too. If you if you had emphasized the Bowie aspect of Starman, I might have I might have leaned more in that direction. There's a Starman waiting in the sky. He'd like to come and see us, but he thinks he'd blow our minds. There's a Starman. Let the people use it. Let what, how does that go? Let the children lose it. Let all the children boogie. That's that's the cat people song, isn't it? Just keeps going. All right, I'm an all alligator. Right, all right, all right. Honestly, had you used the phrase "let all the children boogie," I would definitely have taken Starman over Batman. Now you know how Steve rules. Other young dudes carry the news. I had to phone someone, so I picked on you. Who, who? Hey, that's far out, so you heard him too. Who, who? Switch on the TV, we may pick him up on channel two. Look out your window, I can see his light. Zigger played guitar, <laughs> jamming good with Will and Killer. Killer. And, and the spiders, spiders from, from Mars. Mars. He, he could play it left hand, but he made him too far. He came on so loaded, man. Well hung and slow I tan. But where would the spiders When the flies tried to break our balls <laughs> Like a leper messiah When the when kids, the kids had killed, killed the man, the man had to had break, to break up, up the band See his partner's face Hug, hug <laughs> Pug, pug. Uh, On to Iggy Pop. Uh, nice. Absolutely. We are going to go to the Metropolis region now, and uh, number one seed Superman will be facing off against the winner of a play-in match between mm-hmm. Fire and Ice, the Human Torch, <laughs> and Iceman. Lisa, who was the victor in uh, the battle between Human Torch and Iceman? Iceman had it. Iceman is Ice mm-hmm. won in the end. Okay. Yes. So Lisa, Fire and Ice. Lisa, you can uh, you can defend uh, uh, Iceman, if you will, against uh, Superman. <laughs> Do my best here. Uh, three words: Omega level mutant. 
What that means is that Bobby Frost is one of the most powerful people in the Marvel Universe because he can control water um, across a variety of temperatures and in a variety of ways. He can make tiny clones of himself, ice clones, and control those copies, talk through them. So what he can do is effectively create his own distributed, physical, autonomous, networked intelligence. That's a frightening and formidable power to have. He can also manipulate water molecules and other people down at extremely tiny or incredible macro levels. Given how pervasive water is in in almost any iteration of, of, of the Marvelverse, the fact that Bobby is able to manipulate it at will, to use it as a weapon against you, indeed to use your own body as a weapon against you, to freeze you where you are, or to freeze the air around you, immobilizing you, it makes him a formidable foe when he has to go up against anyone. And on the personal front, he's a hell of a nice guy. All right. Andy, Superman. Well, there are not many characters that are at his level. I mean, you could almost say that there's only one Superman. I'm, I'm talking about a character that's on the level of Sherlock Holmes or Frankenstein, where the character is absolutely known everywhere on our planet. He's a touchstone that every country, every culture, every class can appreciate and understand. Words from the Superman mythos like kryptonite are now in the current currency in the popular lexiconography. Uh, and... He's an archetype. I mean, for decades, you create a new character by saying, well, what if we take Superman, but he's this, and only he can do this? And that's led to dozens of hundreds of characters and ripoffs. Beyond that, he's just a phenomenally rich character. I mean, he's an alien, but and he has powers that are totally divorced from humanity, but he was not raised to be Superman. He was raised to be Clark Kent. He is a good man at heart who's uneasy with the godhood that people on Earth sometimes regard him with. He just wants to do what's right. Sometimes that's misinterpreted as, oh, he's a goody two-shoes, but that's just the frustration of someone who knows that, yeah, he's doing what's right. He's just doing something that I'm not capable of doing. He has a huge responsibility, and he is such a great role model for for everybody in the entire planet, real and fictional. There is only one Superman. And when you have Superman, do you need anything else? All right. Steve, what do you think? Hmm. 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 Is Superman an Omega level overpowered hero? Well, it, it, it was determined that his superpower isn't simply being really, really strong and being able to fly. It's that he is able to directly and psionically manipulate the Wugga feature of the interprions, which means that – and I've lost my interest in that halfway through. It's you know. Yeah. Took you that long? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, you know, I've always found Superman overpowered and therefore kind of boring. But on the other hand, he's so early that you can kind of forgive him for that. On the other hand, Iceman, you know my love for characters that can control 70% of the Earth's surface. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> and I also, I love the way he gets around. He's a civic nuisance. He leaves behind these enormous icebergs everywhere he goes, which mm -hmm. I've always found kind of Steve, awesome. how much ice do you think is there on the Earth's surface right now? <laughs> well, he turns moisture into ice. That's uh, yeah, kind he of does. the whole point. <laughs> yeah. Sit down, Mr. Wizard. <laughs> that said, I mean, it's frickin' Superman, so... I got to go with Superman. All right, Phil. Mish Meiser, I have a few questions for you. I look forward to this. <laughs> Five for fighting. Did they sing a song about Bobby, Bobby Frost? <gasps> Bobby, Bobby Frost Ooh. isn't a whiner. So uh, I think, did um, said, yeah, the late Jim Croce say, don't tug on Bobby Frost, King? Okay. 
<laughs> I think that we should actually throw that out on the, on the ground of it being uh, the artist in question. Also, I believe his name is Bobby Drake. Bobby Drake, and Drake you got wrong. <laughs> yeah, Bobby Frost is Robert Frost. Robert, slam poetry. The poet. <laughs> Excellent poet. If it was Robert Frost against Superman, tell me, did did the so-called Bobby Drake mm-hmm. uh, influence thinking on Ubermensch? Probably. Yeah. Why not? I take it by your silence. Ms. No, Schmeiser, I'm confused by are... the question. Are you talking about the Ubermensch science fiction story, or are you talking about the actual ideal as espoused in the early? I am talking century? about both, Miss Schmeiser. Do not try and cloud the issue. Bobby Frost <laughs> is not... lame. <laughs> but you're... Look, I don't know what you found against Drake American poet Robert Superman Frost. Superman rules but... over all. The judgment is for Superman. Uh, all right, judgment for Superman. I am pounding on my desk. Welcome to Philip Michael's new solo show, One Angry Man. But did Clark Kent ever pen such a glorious ode as from Birches? That's what I'd like to know. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to another round between Lisa and uh, this time uh, Dan Moore. And uh, it is uh, the Falcon, number nine seed. I hope for Miss Schmeiser's sake that this is a better researched argument. And the Adam from Lisa. Dan, you are the underdog with the Falcon. It's a tight one. <laughs> You may go first. All right. Sam Wilson, uh, otherwise known as the Falcon, uh, he's, he's had a number of different careers. For one thing, um, he, uh, he was a criminal for a little while, but he, he turned around his ways after being telepathically merged with an actual Falcon people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I forfeit the match. <laughs> and now, you know, as if that was not enough, you know, he, he partnered up with Captain America. He was one of the first African-American uh, superheroes, like one of the, the mainstream African-American superheroes. And he has in recent years taken up the ma- mantle of Captain America himself since Steve Rogers is like, yeah, I'm going to go retire and collect the IRA that I've been saving for since I was trapped in ice hmm. many, many years ago. So um, the fact that he is, you know, considered cool enough to, uh, you know, take, I would argue he's cooler than Captain America because he can fly, too. So, you know, I mean, it's like Captain America, but better. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much, I think, where it comes down to. Well, telepathic link with Falcon. Just right. don't forget that. Lisa, the Atom. Don't forget to mention he's made of atoms. That seems important. (laughs) Uh, Ray Palmer uh, can get very, very tiny. He has never merged with a falcon. (laughs) Although I bet you he could shrink and get inside one and maybe control his tiny pea brain. By, by virtue it's of made of atoms. Yes. If he wasn't so tiny, maybe the falcon would be more interested. <laughs> um, an atom can. What you can say about Ray Palmer for good is that he's a scientist. He's a devoted citizen. He has been a stalwart of the Justice League for freaking ever. Um, he is slightly less ridiculous than Ant-Man. <laughs> 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 um, and they tend Boy, to use... Lisa. Yeah, they tend to use the shrinky thing when it comes in handy. Um, Frank Miller's use um, was particularly gruesome and interesting. But uh, what you basically have is somebody who's very smart, who realizes that it's not the size of the brawn, it's actually being able to deploy the correct amount of force at the correct point. So it's it's a nice balance between, between brains, tactics, and uh, purpose. All right, judges, uh, Phil, please uh, please give us your ruling. That was such a passionate argument on behalf of Adam. <laughs> I can only say, good luck in the next round, Falcon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you merged with a Falcon. How was I supposed to compete with Steve? that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Ah, boy. 
gets really tiny versus shares thoughts with a bird. I know. <laughs> what to do? What to do? Can Adam fly? <laughs> well, yes, because everyone yeah. can fly. Come on. I mean, does he have to be picked up and thrown? In, in a strong fly, breeze, he'll probably waft a ways. Exactly. <laughs> See, this is the thing. He's tiny, so he can just Ooh, he's surf waftable. along on forces. He's, yes. that's, a, that's a major point in his favor, the waftability <laughs> factor. Mm-hmm. Nah, I like Falcon. Yeah, as you should. Falcon moves along. I like Falcon, time. too. That was a real <laughs> I was one. really not kidding with that. I'd oh, like to Oh, grounds forfeit. for appeal immediately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, appeal the paperwork denied. has already been filed. Poor <laughs> I learned something. I didn't this know that. Trial. Yeah. All right. Uh, next matchup, Andy, you're going to advocate for uh, five-seed Doctor Strange against Dan advocating another one of his valiant heroes, number 12-seed <laughs> Exo, Manowar. Dan, you may go first. All right, so, you know, take Iron Man. You think he's kind of lame, though. Like, here's how you make Iron Man cooler. Instead of being a, like, you know, snarky playboy guy in a suit of armor, instead imagine that at some point um, a Visigoth is basically abducted by aliens, steals one of their biggest super weapons, which is, in fact, a, a sentient suit of armor. And then by the time he manages to escape his alien captors, killing them all in the process, ends up in the modern day with a, like, super-powered suit of armor, but he's still a barbarian. <laughs> um, yep, that's pretty much it. Uh, and, yeah, that's that's what I got for Exo Man of War. Intrigued? Right. Inspiring. <laughs> uh, intri- ooh, intriguing. Wow. Left us on a cliffhanger there, Dan. Uh, so, Andy, Doctor Strange, tell us about him. Okay, let's start off with awesome mustache, one of the few superheroes who can pull off that 1940s mustache off. Secondly, orange gloves with black spots on them near the, near the cuffs. Again, unprecedented, but works completely well. He is an autumn, so it, it, it fares his skin uh, very, very nicely. Now, now let's, if we have time left over to talk about his actual powers, the fact that he is Sorcerer Supreme, that is a title you want to get. If you can put your own title on a business card, no matter what it is, you're going to go for Sorcerer Su- Supreme. If there are more than 12 smart people in your company, however, someone has already taken it because it is the best title you can possibly have. As the master manipulator of magic in the Marvel Universe, thank you for four uses of the, of the of M words in, the, in one sentence, uh, he's great because nobody understands how magic works. You can have the greatest scientist in the world. He is baffled by magic. He can get uh, the biggest puncher in the world. You can't punch magic. When Doctor Strange levitates with his magical red cloak, another point in favor, and he can simply drop down and say, yeah, let me drop some magic on you. This is where the argument ends. I have a few clarifying questions. All right. Uh, Mr. Notko, how would you rank Dr. Strange's mustache versus the dad in The Invincibles? I think you'll find he also has an impressive mustache. Oh, you mean, do you mean Invincible? Yeah. That is a, that is a powerful mustache. That's how I was able to tell what you meant. Because he, he, Nolan in Invincible has a strong mustache. It's like a magnum PI level mustache. It is. It is magnum level. It is a, he, he's a magnum level mustache. Mm-hmm. It is a strong mustache. Doctor Strange's requires more grooming and effort, so it requires a lot more thought. It's a more of a deliberate mustache as opposed to something that he simply trusted to genetics and the passage of time. So I believe that the, if whether whether or not the mustache is better, the man behind the mustache is a lot more ennobled by that. Th- thank you, Mr. Morin. Yes. Does the EXO and EXO Man of War stand for hugs and kisses? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Crushing hugs and kisses. Ooh. 
I'm ready to issue my ruling. Yes. I rule for Doctor Strange. Okay. Steve, what is, <laughs> sounds, what is your ruling? I'm sad about that. You know what? I know of Doctor Strange. I love Doctor Strange. It's such a goofy character, and I really enjoy him. Although the fact that he shares a head with J. Jonah Jameson has always somewhat bothered me. Uh, Hitler mustache versus Charles Durning mustache. That said, Visigoth steals an alien suit of armor and returns to the modern day. That is one badass backstory, man. Although I feel like it would almost be better if he had returned to his his own time and just you know laid waste to the the, the foreign armies. Because that, uh, that, I think, would be a more amusing storyline. But I like it. Whew. So this is a tough one. But I'm going to go with the underdog here, Man of War. All right. Well, that leaves, that leaves us with a tie, our first tie in a while. It means I get to break it. And I, I too, find Exo Man of War's story quite compelling. But I must say I have to go with the Sorcerer Supreme, soon to be played by the inimitable Benedict Cumberbatch on the big screen. Oh, no, I heard uh, Ryan Reynolds was going to fill in uh, for Unfortunately it. not. Uh, Doctor uh, Strange Doctor Strange moves on a, to a the role one. played by Benedict Cumberbatch. That'll make a nice change. <laughs> number four seed is The Tick, who will be uh, argued by Tony against the number 13 seed Catwoman. That's Selena Kyle, argued by Andy. Andy, you may go first. Selena Kyle is like the Superman of her neighborhood in Gotham. She will not try to save the world because she can't do that, but she will try to save her neighbors and her family and her friends and the people that she loves. And then she's a character also that sort of transcends the concept of good or bad, which is a lot more interesting for storytelling. So let's say that aliens have invaded and Gotham has been plunged into darkness and the planet is in jeopardy and Catwoman puts on her boots and puts on her thing and leaps into action, but not to save the city because that's not really her role. She will either A, rush out to save her friend's mom, who was in a subway car when the city lost power, is now trying to walk to freedom, even though there are gangs uh, prowling the, the subway tunnels everywhere, or if failing that, she will rush out to a museum to steal stuff because the power is out, and that's her one opportunity to get that bracelet that's 3,000 years old and made out of gold that she's had an eye on. She has the respect of Batman without having having fallen under the spell of Batman and become part of the, quote, Batman family. And she's she's satisfied being Catwoman. When you're Catwoman, that's all you need to be. All right. Thank you. Tony? Uh, okay. So Ben Edlund's uh, The Tick is basically a parody of superheroes. Uh, he's this hulking uh, gentleman in blue spandex uh, who lives in the city. Uh, he is... Something is wrong with him. He has spent some considerable time in an institution, which I believe he has recently uh, gotten out of before coming to the city, and he hangs out with a bunch of characters who are kind of parodies of, of other superheroes, uh, like American Maid, and, um, um, and he has a sidekick who uh, is a moth, but he tends to, his wings fold into his little backpack, and so he is frequently mistaken for a, uh, a rabbit. Um and he fights uh, some of the most ridiculous villains out there, such as a guy who just has a chair for a face and uh, a, a man-eating cow. Uh, in conclusion, Spoon. Also, he's nigh invulnerable. Yes, nigh invulnerable. Nigh invulnerable. It's very important to know that it's not full invulnerability. He's nigh invulnerable. All right, uh, judges, Steve, what are your thoughts? 
A parody of superheroes? A parody character? How did a parody character get in here? Are you trying to make a mockery of this? How did another villain get tournament? in? <laughs> <laughs> yes, parody character versus villain. How could we make a mockery of something? This is this trial is a travesty of two mm. shams of a mockery. <laughs> mm, 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 mm. Yeah, but that suit, man, that Catwoman suit. Mm, mm, mm. Not a tough. costume draft. It's tough. But that Halle Berry movie. Motorcycle boots well, and a bullwhip. But you, you, have to, you have to weigh the costume uh, as a whole when you're... When you... It doesn't weigh very much. That's a whole costume? That's Are a, you complaining about the Tick's costume now? <laughs> <laughs> that thing leaves nothing to the imagination. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, the tick is probably closer to hero than Catwoman. So to be consistent, I guess I've got to go with the tick. Phil? Mr. Sindelar. That's almost my name, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Either one can answer. (laughs) Deflator Mouse or Batman Well? Uh, I I prefer the uh, the the comics version to the uh, the TV show version. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I believe to play their mouse. I rule in favor of Mister Cindo <laughs> I'll take it. The tick moves on by the skin of his teeth. Spoon. I didn't know there would be a quiz portion. We, we, we move. Oral to next... arguments, sir. I didn't. I didn't realize yeah. I have to defend against like the Halle Berry movie and the and the Joel Schumacher movie. I, and, anything not a can happen. Single person said that. Mr. Anarco, as you well know, <laughs> Tim Burton directed the version of Batman featuring Catwoman, Selena Kyle, Michelle Pfeiffer, <laughs> one of our one of our one of our better Catwomen. <laughs> one of our cat, one Lee of Remick the nation's great cat women. One of the nation's finest cat women. <laughs> also, I should say it's difficult to find for cat woman when you are sitting in a cloud of cat stink. Mm. <laughs> strong argument, Steve. Yes. Strong argument. It's you don't have no idea how strong. You mm. might want to consider that she'll send her minions against you. I've seen her minions. I'm all for that. Moving on to number six. Our number six. Uh, Participant is Hellboy, who will be argued by Tony, versus the number 11 Invisible Woman, who will be argued by Lisa. Lisa, you're the underdog here. You may go first. All right. Susan Storm is perhaps the most underrated member of the Fantastic Four, largely because she has what's called soft power, i.e. the power behind the scenes. It's her job to make sure that people don't quit in a huff after Reed Richards has been absentmindedly... um, jerk geniusing at them for a while she's got to keep her 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 hothead brother in line and she's got to keep ben Grimm from feeling sorry for himself because he's essentially now a pile of sentient rocks uh as if that weren't enough of a formidable task which she manages with a lot of grace she also happens to be a super genius and her two powers which are invisibility in a force field are um tact are, are, are tactical and she deploys them in a wide variety of clever ways not only for protective uh maneuvers and mechanisms but she's also used them to great effect for um offensive maneuvers as well so you have somebody who is a diplomat of the highest order she's a tactician she's smart and she's focused on supporting her family group she really is one of the um more underrated female characters who gets things done in the marvel verse all right uh tony hellboy Tell us about all right, it. Hellboy is probably my second favorite uh, comic book character of all time after Batman. Uh, he is a lovable demon and also supernatural slash paranormal detective, uh, and he wanders around the world basically dealing with uh, 
mysteries of the supernatural, uh, you know, which might be some kind of folklore monster, or it might be lizard men or frogmen. Uh, it might be Nazis that seem to hang around for a very, very long time post World War II. Uh, he usually, uh, sometimes he has to use his kind of satchel of magic stuff to help with that. Uh, sometimes he has a gun, and sometimes he just punches them. Uh, he has this foreboding prophecy where he, he has his right hand is this big stone hand, while the rest of him is just a demon, and his right hand uh, theoretically will be used to uh, bring about the apocalypse if it falls into the wrong clutches. Uh, so that's kind of scary. Um, there is kind of a difference between the movie and the comics version. In the movie, he's like this urban legend. In the comics, like everybody knows Hellboy, so Hellboy will just show up places and he'll be like on you know some farm in Ireland, and like the guy herding the sheep will be like, "Hey, Hellboy," and he'll be like, "Hey, I'm here to here to fight that monster." Which way is it? Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Hellboy, Invisible Woman. Phil, what are your thoughts? Mitch Schmeiser. In 2005, did you suggest that we go see Fantastic Four in the theater? <laughs> I'm going to move that that question be thrown out because it's prejudicial. I'll ask the questions here, Mitch Schmeiser. Did you, in 2005, suggest we pay American dollars to see Fantastic Four in the theater? <laughs> I did, Your Honor. <laughs> I rule in favor of Mr. Sindelore. It's <laughs> my favorite Star Trek. Movie. Oh, yes. All right. Uh, uh, Steve, what are your thoughts about Lisa versus Mr. Sandelier? We may be serious for a moment, Court. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember reading uh, uh, Fantastic Four way back when she was still Invisible Girl. Mm-hmm. And I always found her her storylines very compelling for the time frame. Uh, I think she's an early instance of um, kind of what came later in the Buffies of the world where, uh, you know, she was expected to sort of handle the household side of things and later their their dumb baby that they have. Oh, they have two dumb babies. I didn't even get <laughs> two dumb that. babies. Yeah. <laughs> and I always found that uh, uh, a little more intriguing than the standard um, man punches other man storylines of the uh, of the time. So uh, given that I must find for the invisible woman. Well, that brings us uh, to another tie, which I have to break. And um, I really think that Tony did a good job of describing the the strength of Hellboy. However, I am going to go with the Invisible Woman because I think that uh, Sue Storm uh, Sue Storm Richards is the uh, by far the best character in the Fantastic Four, and uh, <laughs> and really holds that holds it together and has the integrity and intelligence, and is she's underrated and uh, has lots of kind of impressive powers on top of it. So I think she's great. She has questionable taste in spouses. Oh yeah. Let's move on. Oh, no, she, <laughs> that was she just read the billing. That, that was it just said fantastic. Dig it. That was just to dig it, Andy, because I know no, he likes was, Reed Richards. It, it, I, 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 that's how I interpreted it. Don't worry. Yep. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> let's let's move on. Uh, number three in this region is the Flash, as personified by Barry Allen, versus the Question. Uh, the Flash will be advocated by Lisa. The Question advocated by Tony. The Tony, Question, you say? The Question, and Tony here with the answer. Tony Sindelar. Call the Question. <laughs> 
okay, the question is the question. Uh, the question is a conspiracy theorist to end all conspiracy theorists. Um, you may not be familiar with the question, but perhaps you're familiar with Rorschach from Watchmen, who is basically cribbed uh, from the question. Um, and, you know, he, he basically, he has a file on everybody. He's he's figuring out all of the, uh, the, the, the machinations that are happening uh, behind uh, all the things, the bad things in the world. He, he knows what the Girl Scouts are up to. Uh, Monty will tell you that he knows that the things at the end of shoelaces are called aglets and that their true purpose is sinister. That's the question. All right. Mm. Very interesting. And Lisa, please tell us about Barry Allen, The Flash. He has no needs of shoelaces or aglets, and he's exactly not sinister. Barry Allen was correctly described as a saint in the DC universe. This is not at all far off the mark. He's possessed a super speed and uh, can effectively manipulate time to go along with that. However, Barry has never used this power for anything other than trying to make the world a better place. First, he wanted to right wrongs. Um, since he grew up as a child scarred by injustice, he grew up wanting to make the world a better place and to correct injustice for others. And then once he got his superpowers, he used, he used them to keep people out of danger. And he's used them to alter timelines on occasion. Most often when he has to alter timelines, it's at a great personal loss to himself, but for a greater gain worldwide. Barry exemplifies sacrifice. He actually makes the idea of running seem super cool. And he's one of the more chill people personalities in the Marvel, excuse me, in the DC universe, despite having a tremendous amount of temporal uh, and and social responsibility on his whippet-like shoulders. Uh, The question also has a blue trench coat. (laughs) It's good. Good uh, little balance. Tony using the balance of his time at the end there, just to slip that in. Uh, Steve, what are your thoughts? Uh, Tony, the question, uh, these conspiracies that he knows about, are, do these, in the, the context of the book, do they actually pan out, or is he just a, a nut? Uh, I are think the Girl Scouts really up to something? I, I, I am not super well-read on the question. Uh, I think it is usually a surprise what? when one of his conspiracies ends up being legit. I think Rhubarb, I think he, rhubarb, judicial rhubarb. What? What? Um, I, I think it is, it is usually a surprise for the viewer or reader when he's, he's on the right track. Interesting. Well, I have a surprise for you. <laughs> uh, you know, look, I, uh, I know which way that flash guy is great. Somebody should start a podcast about him. Right? You know what? I, I, uh, you know, a life free of aglets. That's, that's like a, a dream come true. You know, I was, I was thinking of leaning towards the question because nobody likes a saint. Come on. But since you clearly have not research this character in any great detail i must instead <laughs> go with the far better researched and advocated for barry allen's flash ouch all right phil your thoughts we have a uh, uh two derivative characters really we have a uh, question who uh is the poor man's Rorschach, quite frankly. <laughs> we have uh, jason 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 pre- point of order Rorschach point of order Rorschach was pretty much the rich man's question i I stand by my uh assessment all right question we have uh barry allen who is the poor man's jay garrick um what is is going on (laughs) in the end i must rule in favor of jay garrick i.e barry allen the flash (laughs) the flash in all his (laughs) forms zips into the next round we have two left in this region uh number seven seed ghost rider johnny blaze will be argued by chip and oh hi (laughs) hi chip and uh number 10 seed the blue beetle the jaime reyes version will be argued by tony 
Sindelar. Tony. Oh, God, it's still me. You may go. <laughs> That's first. how I felt. All Tony. It's all Tony the all the way Tony, down. I believe you're oh, God, in it's the next one and the one after that, too. Yeah. Oh, hi. <laughs> oh, poor baby. I'm ready. All right, Tony, go for it. Uh, so I have, I'm arguing for uh, the third Blue Beetle, <laughs> which is uh, Jaime Reyes, um, whereas earlier Blue Beetles are basically just Batman ripoffs. Uh, uh, Jaime Reyes is a, he basically is merged with a, a scarab, which turns out to be an alien artifact that gives him the ability to basically summon uh, an alien power exoskeleton uh, that also talks to him. Uh, and he is basically a, a teenager uh, growing up in Texas uh, who now has to deal with having a scarab attached to him and being uh, compelled to uh, go out and use that uh, uh, to do good things and become a hero and it's got a lot of uh, spider-man qualities to it i like in terms of a teenager dealing with his newfound power uh but with a kind of a neat twist in terms of not being set in new york and uh and being a character of color so all right third boob Beetle. yep chip ghost rider well first of all for this character to still be around after the nicholas cage movies is nothing short of astounding that said Take your mind back to the seventies. The rebellious of motor, the rebelliousness of motorcycle culture—that was a thing. And there was also more interest in antiheroes. Uh, Ghost Rider is something more, way beyond the Hulk, who's just a Jekyll and Hyde or Wolfman kind of thing. Johnny Blaze, great name. Johnny Blaze sells his soul to the devil in order to save his dad, and he's forced to torment evildoers and send them to hell, his body transformed into a burning skeleton, his motorcycle wreathed in hellfire, and he's always at war with the demon who shares his body. There's drama. There's angst. There's Joss Whedon before Joss Whedon was Joss Whedon. And there's a character who really deserves a movie that doesn't suck. Strong words. Steve, what are your thoughts? Oh, but that movie sucks so bad, dude. <laughs> Which one? There were two. Well, no one even remembers the second one. It took two guys to direct that film. There was there was also like a black and white educational film called Ghost Rider about a girl who died on a school bus because she didn't uh, pay attention to what the bus driver told her. And she haunts other children who might mock the rules of the bus driver. But I'm pretty sure that wasn't uh, that wasn't had anything not. to do with this. Yeah. Oh, boy. I love the backstory of Ghost Rider. His story has moved me. I, too, am wreathed in hellfire. Mm -hmm. So I can, you know, I can really understand what he's going through. Uh, So I'm going to go with Ghost Rider. All right, Phil, what are your thoughts? Tony raises some interesting points about um, Blue Beetle and his backstory. Not Tony reveals some uh, (laughs) interesting points about um, Ghost Rider. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> chip seems like such a nice guy i don't i must um he's no tony i must side with not tony here <laughs> and, um, is this is this a new attempt to avoid saying my last name this is interesting. <laughs> and go with ghostwriter uh, yeah, okay so that's two that's two two nothing for ghostwriter then okay yeah that's right. all right that's correct i i'm feeling simultaneously affirmed and not tonied well, you're, not, you're no Tony, but you won that one, Chip. So you would have no prize, not Tony. Mm-hmm. Sometimes all you have to be is not Tony. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> That's what I screw up every day. Well, Tony, you can take a break. No, you can't, because you have to argue our next question. Uh, Great structuring. Last item in this region. Number two seed, the Hulk. 
will be all argued by Monty Ashley. Number he's going up against number fifteen seed Booster Gold, argued by Tony. Tony, tell us about Booster Gold. Uh, Booster Gold may not be the greatest superhero of our time because he's not from our time. He is from the future. <laughs> And he has come uh, from the future to our modern day to be a superhero using his uh, various technologies uh, that he brings from the future to use him in this modern day. And yes, he does come here for kind of self-serving reasons because being a superhero and being rich and famous seems really great. But he has to kind of overcome that and learn humility and do... Turns out when you you show up for the Justice League and you're like the 57th guy to show up for the Justice League, they're not going to give you the nicest assignments and you actually have to learn humility and and work your way up. And, you know, he, over time, he he overcomes all of those and becomes more than just a narcissistic time-traveling con man. All right. Monty? Uh, Before I begin, may I ask the judges a question? Yes. No. (laughs) Judges? Possibly. Is there any chance I can get you to focus solely on the comic book and not bring Mark Ruffalo or Lou Ferrigno into the argument? Not a chance, Not a chance, no. No. Eric Bana. Can we talk about Ang Lee? <laughs> There's only one Hulk, and his name is Bill Bixby, my friend. The fact that you're even trying to to eliminate Lou Ferrigno from the equation is not a point in your favor, I should point. All right, then here is my argument. Hulk smash! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your time. Well, well argued, sir. Monty's words are as moving today as they were in his time. <laughs> However... I would like to point out that I have a spec script for Booster Gold that I would like to show to the studio, <laughs> and that if he wins what? this thing, I will really profit from it. So, despite Tony saying that Booster Gold is not the greatest superhero of our time, when that is quite clearly not the case. Did, I, did you listen to my sentence? I rule in favor of Booster Gold, who is awesome and deserves his own movie, that I will sell for a reasonable risk. This cannot <laughs> be ethical. Ryan Reynolds is a huge Booster mm. Gold fan. I'd know he'd love to see that script. You could even say he's a Booster Booster. We're thinking John Hamm. And if his check clears, I would love for him to see it. <laughs> Steve, what are your thoughts? Well, I got to say, Booster Gold was probably my favorite all-time Burt Reynolds role. Um, <laughs> oh. Talk about Jay a was canonical Booster Gold for me. Oh. Uh, but that said, if if we send the Hulk packing, I'm going to have to hear that damn sad music <laughs> as he walks away. It's true. And I just, I don't think I could take that right now, so I'm going to have to go for the Hulk. And that leaves it to me to make the deciding factor of whether we hear the sad music as, the, as, as Bruce Banner walks away, sadly, or whether we have to deal with uh, Booster Gold for another round. And uh, sorry, Uh-oh. sorry, Uh-oh. Phil, I'm going with the Hulk. Ooh. Oh, oh. <laughs> That would have been amazing. It was so so close. That ends the Metropolis region. Uh, and I think maybe we should stop. Yeah! <laughs> it's just getting good. But we've only been recording for two yeah, hours well, and five minutes. You know. Oh, look, and I'm up front at the top of the, the next one, yeah, too. You, you are, Tony. Our iron versus iron matchup, Tony. Well, I've only got two left. So. Iron Man versus Iron Fist. I mean, I, I only know. have one left. I feel like we should do Rorschach versus Storm now just to get it off my docket so I don't have to do it next time. Yeah, that works for I'm me. Five of the eight coming up. I've only got two left. I, I'm fully in favor of uh, pushing through to the end. Uh, we can push through to the end. Okay, we'll, we'll just... Everybody stay on topic. Here we go. <laughs> It, it, that's not going to happen. No. Let's try. My foot hurts. 
the Latveria region is up. How did uh, Latveria get the spin? This has to be a Sepp Blatter thing. No, no, it definitely was not Sepp Blatter with his totally normal name. Um, number one, this is the Iron matchup. Number one in this region is Iron Man, argued by Dan, versus number 16, Iron Fist, argued by Tony. Tony, you may be our first Iron Man. I mean, Iron Fist. Well, I wait, mean, what? Iron I, I, this system is crooked. <laughs> yes, Latveria region. Latveria region. Yeah, totally legit. Uh, so Iron Fist may not be one of your uh, most well-known uh, superheroes. No. Nope. Um, what? <laughs> Indeed. Strong point. Um, okay. So uh, Danny Rand is Iron Fist, and he is a little bit uh, Iron Man and a little bit Daredevil. Uh, he is your typical billionaire industrialist playboy, uh, except he also knows Kung Fu. And not just Kung Fu, magic Kung Fu. Uh, he does spend a lot of time uh, trying to keep the streets of New York safe, but he also spends some time in mystical realms, helping navigate kind of weird otherworldly politics between the seven cities of heaven, uh, which all have their own various... Uh, Superpowered warriors who uh, advocate for them and represent them in mystic internal politics. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he fights ninjas. And he fights ninjas. Thank you, Tony. Dan, Iron Man. Well, I mean, you know, Iron Man, Tony Stark, you know him. Uh, you like him or you don't. I mean, he's got a share of problems. How do you make you feel? Narcissistic, uh, alcohol abuser. I mean, you know, he's 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 not a perfect person, but, you know, he, he tries his best, and, and he does so with the help of his intellect and his superpowered armor. Uh, and I think, you know, let's not overlook that he, he built his initial suit of armor while a prisoner of war. Uh, in, in either Vietnam or, or Afghanistan, depending on which continuity you prefer to use, um, which is pretty badass, you know, just out of, like, what's lying around. Um, and that he has, you know, been a pivotal character in the entirety of the Marvel Universe with his team membership and everything from the Avengers to the Guardians of the Galaxy. So, um, you know, Iron Man in summation is just sort of like, he, without him, m- the Marvel Universe just doesn't run. All right. Steve? Wow. <clears throat> I just looked up Iron Fist and had flashbacks of my youth. I did not remember the name, but I remember the costume and the character, the rich Corinthian leather of his chest area. <laughs> uh, it, it what a neckline, his, right? His, uh, it appears, <laughs> and his pop collar is very uh, stylish as well. Uh, it appears that his, his fist, his iron fist actually burst into flame. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and his, the thing you, on his chest, like, that? it's that's sort of a mystical energy. That's the, that's the magic kung fu part. The magic so. kung fu part, I see. Yeah. Okay, it seems that at times, I think the thing on his chest burns with fire energy, too. It so. almost looks like a Batman symbol. What's that, what's that about? Well, oh, it's, it's a dragon. It's like, a dragon. Yeah, he, he basically fought and defeated a dragon and gained its power. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Turns out the other guy who wanted to fight the dragon and gain his power, really angry about it. They fight later. And on the other side, we got Millionaire Playboy in a suit. How many dragons has uh, he beaten? Uh, just, I make just it, asking. I make it All of them. All of them. <laughs> just asking. One. Also, there is precedent in this court for treating badly a genius who's a total jerk. I feel like Dave, a lot about? of these heroes are geniuses no who are total jerks. About, no one cares about Reed Richards. <laughs> <laughs> Still, um, I think I gotta go Iron Man. As cool as Iron Fist is, and I, I, he is extremely cool, I'm going Iron Man. Bill? Mr. Cinderlap, I have a question. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, I feel like I'm in junior high again. Um, oh, ow. Because of all the comic books. No, because people <laughs> saying my name wrong. My question is, come on. <laughs> is that a question, Your Honor? It is a question. Come on. Come on. Come on. Is the come question on, Iron question? Fist? The question didn't do so well. The answer is Iron Man. Good Iron God, Well, you sir. know, sometimes the first seed has to go against the 16th seed. Good so I, God, I, You know what? I, I think Iron Fist was underranked in the seed, but I, I will, I will talk that a tough, to It was cedar. a tough seeding. Tough seeding. I was going to ask Dan, is he alive or dead? Has he thoughts within mm-hmm. his head? But I didn't need to even get That's there. That's okay. That's five losses in a row for Tony. Let's see uh, how he recovers from that. Let's Tony. It's Latveria. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's all fixed. Uh, num- n- number eight versus number nine matchup here. Dan Morin will be arguing Gambit. Versus Chip Sutterth, not Tony, who will be arguing <laughs> Phoenix. Dan, you may go first. All right, let's let's all agree that in in many ways Gambit may be the mm. worst. But that said, <laughs> I, I like your thinking. Interesting here. tactic. Yeah, he has a lot of room for growth. I think what what I particularly like about Gambit is that. His superpower is actually really cool. The idea that he can like charge any object with uh, kinetic energy and basically make it explode uh, is pretty sweet. Choosing a deck of playing cards, let's admit that's like a style over practicality choice. Like, yeah, it's a cool sort of theme thing going on, but it's not really super convenient to throw playing cards. So, like, that might be a tactical error. That said, um, Remy LeBeau is a wait, thief. wait, 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 back up, back up, back up. Yo, what's what's up? what is it with the playing cards? I have no idea what you're talking about here. <laughs> oh, he throws okay, them. He and throws they playing cards and they explode because he charges them with energy. That then, mm. but he can do that with any object. You can touch an object and charge it with kinetic energy that causes it to explode. He it's just playing cards are like a... He like exploding playing cards. Yep. Mm-hmm. He does. That's a thing he does. He also has a staff that, that uh, telescopes, and he's uh, well, a thief. Uh, my friend. <laughs> All right. That's not that... I, if that's a superpower, then uh, never... Uh, Steve Lutz. I feel that my argument was derailed, <laughs> but I will just say Don't even that get me started I, on derailing. I enjoy Gambit, especially his betrayal in the 1990s X-Men animated series. Right. Thank you, Dan. Uh, Chip, Phoenix. There was, there was no way. <laughs> well, uh, you have given me one of the most confusing characters in the X-Men franchise to try to advocate for. I'm not going to tell you about how one of the original X-Men, Jean Grey, Marvel Girl, encountered this Phoenix Force and was transformed into the X-Men's first uh, cosmic character. Instead, I'm going to tell you about how about my wife Shannon's roommate in grad school. A mutual friend told us how he first met this person sobbing uncontrollably in a classroom, and when he asked her what was wrong, she said, They just killed Jean Grey! This was at the height of Chris Claremont's run of the X-Men when he and John Byrne had created the world's greatest superhero soap opera, a universe almost to itself within the Marvel Universe. Phoenix was one of the most powerful characters in Marvel, one half of the most star-crossed love affair in Marvel. And to this day, I can't tell you whether Phoenix was Jean Grey or a copy of Jean Grey or what. whatever. It's just, it's just too confusing. Phoenix, better than Gambit. All right. Strong, strong <laughs> argument, argument would have been stronger if he'd done a Gambit impression. Yeah. <laughs> Phil, what are your thoughts? I believe I speak for the universe when I say that Gambit is perhaps the coolest of the X-Men. Well, oh, no. Beloved by all. Yeah, that's that's super wrong. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> universe, I've got say. nothing left to lose here. Beloved by anyone who played 
the 1990s video game where you could fire off those cards and really <laughs> that was pretty do sweet. some damage. Cherie, I rule in favor of Gambit. All right. <laughs> I'm just so shocked. Did, did not see that coming, but I'm pretty psyched about and, it. And uh, Steve? Well, I've just pulled up the picture of Gambit wherein he's wearing a pink teddy, which appears to be his primary <laughs> costume. I'm not sure why that wasn't mentioned. <laughs> It's well, images. He's, he's got a variety Google. of uh, Gambit. He's got a variety of outfits, but a lot of them do involve a liberal use of fuchsia. Steve is very wardrobe based in his determination. <laughs> it's so interesting. It's, yeah, it's well, it says a lot about a character what he Perhaps chooses. It's not imagine. how hot is the superhero, Steve? Well, it, the hotness does not come into it with Gambit. Tony. Well, it does when you're so. So if we mention you know, that Gambit Johnny is Storm. about to get played by Channing Tatum, that won't bias you in any direction. I don't even know who that is. Okay, there we go. That helps a lot. So your wife's former roommate, Chip, makes a very compelling case for Phoenix. But Gambit is so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking at him. He throws playing cards that blow up. The coolest of the X-Men, Steve. Oh, my God. I think you may be right, Phil. Better than Cyclops. Better than Beast. Better, perhaps than Wolverine. He's so lame he wraps around to cool again. It's hard to believe, but I'm going with Gambit. What? Everybody can relax. Thank Gambit has arrived. Gambit has advanced to the next round. I think it's because you just want to see him get killed by a much more powerful character than what's available right That's now. Possible. Don't we all? Uh, I, don't, I don't disagree with that logic. I'm just it will probably be Iron Man in the next round with Dan arguing for Iron Man and Gambit. That'll be exciting. Could be. Could be. Uh, now we move to a uh, matchup between uh, Carol Danvers as Captain Marvel. She's the number five seed, argued by Monty, versus Ben Grimm, the ever-loving blue-eyed thing, number 12 seed, from straight out of Brooklyn, uh, argued by Andy Anatko. Andy, you may go first. Ladies and gentlemen, there is this thing called heart. You either have heart or you don't have heart heart. That is the ability to keep on fighting when there is nothing to tell you that you can possibly succeed, but you still know deep in your heart that the fight is worth fighting. There is the sort of person whose perseverance can flag and sustain the energy and the fight and the will to persevere of those around them. This Ben Grimm is such a man. No one has more heart. No one fights harder. No one is braver (laughs) than Ben Grimm. His power is refreshingly simple. He's crazy strong. He's crazy hard to hurt. That's great stuff. And no one's ever had to reformulate his power saying, oh, well, he's actually got rock powers. He can manipulate rocks into force field and transform himself into other forms of rocks. He has an incredible story arc in which he was college hero, handsome hero of millions, turned into a monster. He went through a period of self-pity, then a period of self-awareness as he realizes that <laughs> he can has to learn how to move gently now. He has to be quieter and he has to be a source of strength as opposed to a source of force all right time i have to call i have to cut you off there monty go ahead carol danvers is an awesome fighter pilot with natural leadership skills as captain marvel she also has a great costume and can fly around the universe and shoot energy blasts at things she's basically your ideal iconic superhero there's a great reason why she has legions of fans and it's this she's an awesome character who also happens to be an awesome woman Get on board now so you know what's going on when her movie comes out in 2018. Because unlike The Thing, she can carry a movie on her own. Also, I know we just said it's not a competition about who's hottest, but I need to point out, for the judges' consideration, that Carol Danvers is a sexy blonde and The Thing is an ugly orange rock monster. 
<laughs> you don't yeah. know how I swim. Yeah. You don't know also, me. Also, she once beat a shark to death with another shark. <laughs> so you're basically saying you don't care what her powers are or personality are. You're really going on the fact that she's blonde. Well, that's an interesting Well, that's an interesting interpretation. Brave, I feel uh, like this, I this, mentioned this climate, her powers a, a, a and very her personality several I'm times saying this before is a brave, we get that. No, 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 order! I do say order! Order, order, order. Steve. Steve, what is what? your uh, ruling? Uh, oh boy, <clears throat> yeah, I'm I'm just marveling at the fact that Andy started his long diatribe with the phrase "There is this thing," and it's about the thing. <laughs> and yeah. then you stopped listening to both of our discussions. <laughs> yeah, I kind of did. I kind of I was looking at the wall for a little while, and then I thought, God, I got to level up my character. And... No, 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 no. It's uh, it was it was a moving tale that uh, Andy told uh, a man turned into a pile of rocks by some crap in space. Truly, <laughs> Ben Grimm's story is all of our stories. <laughs> on the other hand, hot blonde. But on the other hand, I I, I kind of like the orange rock men. I'm going to go with a thing. All right, Phil? I think to the um, rather iconic uh, Marvel illustration of Carol Danvers pulling on her glove, giving me a uh, a coquettish Amy Poehler-like look. And I'm impressed. Then I think back to my childhood in which there was a uh, cartoon where it was teenage thing, where Ben Grimm was just a, a crazy teenage kid who, who wanted to, you know, fit in with everyone else. Was it you know, grotesque pile of rocks. It's a very difficult decision. But I believe that it is, in point of fact, clobbering time. I rule for the thing. Oh, major upset there. The thing moves on to the next round. The thing is my favorite comic book character. You, well argued for the other side, Monty. I appreciate your commitment to this premise. <laughs> <laughs> commitment is a very good way to put this premise. Uh, number four seed, another Hawkeye. It's Clint Barton, the original Hawkeye. Going what? To be another by, Hawkeye? By Tony. How many, oh, say, how many goddamn Hawkeyes? <laughs> just two. Just two. Just two. I'm limit, limited to two. And uh, also, too, Green too Arrow, many is, in the yeah. opinion up of against, uh, Up against number 13 seed, Big Barda, argued by Monty. Monty, you may go first. Explain Big Barda right. to us. Uh, Big Barda was raised to be a villain. She was supposed to be one of Darkseid's warriors. But then she fell in love with a dude named Scott Free who can escape from anything. And they fell in love and they... Scott Free! <laughs> Where did they come up with Scott these Scott Free is not on trial here. The point is Big Barda, who's way cooler than Scott Free. She married down. Yeah, she did. So she's as strong as Wonder Woman. But unlike Wonder Woman, she's usually drawn so she looks like someone who's strong. She's not like She-Hulk size, but she looks like about 6'5", and she's big and beefy and muscular. And uh, she's usually pretty cheerful about everything, even though she's fighting the biggest evil in the universe, which I appreciate in a comic book character. Big Bart is a lot of fun. All right, Tony? And she's not Hawkeye. <laughs> Your Honor! <laughs> Your Honor. I, I implore you, I implore you. Tony, you may go ahead. All right, Clint, Clint Barton is Hawkeye. He is another guy who's amazing with a bow and arrow. But he's not just <laughs> amazing with a bow and arrow. Thank God we have one of those. This one is an orphan. He's an orphan who runs away from the orphanage to join a carnival. But that carnival, 
evil. <laughs> they train him to be an assassin, and then he decides, I'm not going to be an assassin. I'm going to be a superhero who's really good at archery. And he tags along with the Avengers, even though he's not nearly as tough as any of them. And, you know, he, in fact, he's not afraid to live a normal life. He has trouble paying rent. He needs to talk to Tony Stark about how to hook up his DVR. He is a guy we can all relate to. He could be your neighbor if your neighbor was really good at archery. He's Hawkeye. Also, sometimes he's been dead for a while, and he takes on a lot of other personas. You should tell Steve about the costume. Uh, you, Steve, I'm sure you're already looking up the image for his <laughs> costume. Uh, some of his costumes are pretty goofy. No, I'm sorry. I stopped on the big Barda costume. Yeah, you did. Oh, your honor, prejudice. Right? <laughs> they weren't kidding. <laughs> Wow. Oh god, we've Steve, you owe it to yourself to look at the purple the purple Hawkeye costume. Uh Steve, you may go first. Oh Jason, Jason, Jason. <laughs> Steve, Steve, what to do? Steve. Mr. Chandler makes some strong points. Um <laughs> Wait, who? Anthony Chandler. Yeah, I what I thought his name was Sindelar when we started this thing, but I'm not so sure anymore. Nope, so I'm, I'm not just, clear I'm on reaching that one. for whatever I can I can come up with. <sighs> Did we pick the other Hawkeye? I forget. We uh, didn't. We did pick the other Hawkeye mm, over Green Lantern. Boy, oh wow! wow. wow. The injustice Precedent. of that. that Who is... the hell decided that? I did. I decided <laughs> that one. Is oh. it Ryan Reynolds? I. It's just one too many Hawkeyes. <laughs> Big Barda, it is. What? <laughs> Phil. I'd like to cite legal precedent in this case, if I may. Um, the judgment of a. Um, Sesame Street Avenger parody in which <laughs> okay. God help me. In which uh, um, Cookie Monster points out to Hawkeye Cucumber's cool You zucchini I uh, rule in favor of Big Barda oh. <laughs> A massive upset there Big Barda moves on Hawkeye uh, massive has to right. go home. Clint Barton goes home Kate Bishop remains. In I the like tournament. how Clint Barton can't even win in like nope. our, our little tournament. <laughs> he can't. He can't. It's true to form. True to form. All right, we move on to the next round. Sorry, Hawk guy. <laughs> number six uh, seed is Rorschach from Watchmen. He will be argued by Monty. Number eleven seed Storm from the X Men, argued by Lisa. Lisa, you get to go first. I'm not familiar with that character. Is he some kind of question ripoff? Is that who he is? Oh. <laughs> possibly? Oh. But, but Lisa first with Storm. All right. I have yet another Omega-level mutant. This one is one whose power allows her to perceive the world in terms of energy. So what she can effectively do is observe weather patterns and even the signals of the neurons in your brain. So she can create a hurricane in your brain if she disagrees with what you're doing. She can affect the world on a micro level, i.e. the inside of someone's skull, or a macro level, i.e. screwing up climates for continents. Um <clears throat> In addition to these formidable powers, Aurora Monroe has been a mainstay of the X-Men team. She is one of the more nurturing members. She is also uh, risen to a leadership capacity and uh, tried to take the team away from a let's just punch things for the heck of it type of ethos and more towards a let's just punch things when it makes sense to do so ethos, which is refreshing um, when when punching is your first language in diplomacy. Uh, She has been married to some dude in Wakanda for a while. She's been not married. She's had adventures. She dated Gambit for a while. I don't know if that's a point in her favor or not, but I feel like I should mention it anyway. Um, anyway, she's 
super, she's super cool. She's super powerful. And unlike, say, Cyclops, when she says she's a leader of a team, she actually walks the walk. Uh, she holds herself responsible for her decisions. And her definition of leadership is making sure that everybody is given the opportunity to work to their full potential while being happy about it for this balance of self-assurance and selflessness. I think she's great. All right. Monty? Uh, the question was created by a weirdo named Steve Ditko, who wanted to use comic books to promote objectivism. <laughs> then he was turned into Rorschach, who was created by a weirdo named Alan Moore, who wanted to use comic books to promote a brand of Satanism that worships a snake god. <laughs> I just wanted to mention that. <laughs> All right, so... Watch- you're, you're not wrong. No, it, I stand by it. Uh, so... Actually, though, Watchmen was an essential step in the maturation of comic books, and Rorschach may have been the most important part of it. Comic books are full of investigators looking into weird things, and it was vital to see what a really paranoid loon would look like. Uh, I think Jackie Earl Haley was actually the best part of the Watchmen movie, showing in person what a crazy guy this would be and how it's not somebody you want to hang out with, but it is a nutcase who gets things done. And I think Rorschach, in addition, is a great name for the character, because what you see in him is only what you bring to the table. Is he a horrible monster who ruined comic books by making them too dark and too meta? Well, maybe the monster is you. <gasps> oh, yeah, it's, it's definitely me. <laughs> yeah. no, it's I don't think there's any question about that. Phil, are you the monster, too? I am a monster. Yeah, I thought so. What are your votes? I'm a monster who does not even think that Rorschach is the most interesting person in The Watchmen. That would be the comedian. I'm afraid I must rule in favor of Storm. Steve? Well, you know, Storm, what can you say? <laughs> I mean, the weather is like 63% of the Earth's surface. <laughs> <laughs> I believe the weather outside, Steve, is frightful. But the fire is so delightful. Uh, we are not uh, we are not representing the Human Torch in this case, as I understand. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Storm, I you know I'm sorry, but Rorschach, you you drew a tough one here. He's uh, he's way too pivotal a character um, for me to uh, to go against against him. So uh, I gotta go Rorschach. Oh, that leaves it for me to decide then. Uh, Harm. Oh. <laughs> oh. Feel Joe Roy- Biden's pain. I'm going to pick Rorschach. <laughs> wow. Huh. Someday they're going to ask, could you please vote my character through into the next round? <laughs> I'll look down at them and say, no. I liked Storm the best when she didn't have powers. You know that Rorschach smells like the subway, though. Mm-hmm. That's what gets to me. Like, the question has a dry cleaner. <laughs> yeah, he, he eats uh, cold cans of various foods, too. Bean juice food? Perhaps. Ever... Bean juice. I don't know. Human just... bean juice. <laughs> it's like once you've had a roommate like the que- uh, like Rorschach, it really takes a lot of the joy out of it. So. Rorschach, the question, whatever. <laughs> um, all right, uh, next round. Uh, number three seed Thor will be argued by Chip. Uh, who successfully argued for Beta Ray Bill earlier. Number 14 seed is a result of a play-in. Monty, who was the winner of the play-in game between Nova and Invincible? Well, uh, they're both dudes who can fly and have a whole lot of bonus powers, but I gave the edge to Invincible on the grounds that the name Invincible conveys strength, while Nova is an exploding star. Who wants to be an exploding star? That sounds dangerous. Ooh, it me. also means doesn't go in Spanish, which is not a good song point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Invincible. You'd think Chevy uh, would have noticed that. Monty, uh, please argue for Invincible. 
Invincible is a teen superhero who actually looks like a teenager. That's uh, the core of my argument, that a lot of people in comic books are described as teenagers, but then act like adults or talk like 60-year-old writers think teenagers talk. But uh, Invincible provides a level of realistic characterization that DC and Marvel tend not to be able to deliver with their uh, top-line heroes. He's an actual teenager with superpowers. All right. And Chip, tell us about Thor. Well, speaking of teenagers and superpowers, um, Marvel's Thor isn't exactly faithful to Norse mythology. I made the mistake when I was in high school of sharing a, comic, a Thor comic with a friend who was an exchange student from Norway, and he laughed at me very, very hard. So, okay, granted, but that's not the point. The point of Thor is that he this character straddles the line between myth and science fiction – timelessly encompassing the ancient past, sorcery, and space opera. He's he's Marvel Superman, but he's more than that because he shifts from these world from world to world. He's got not only his own power, but the power of his hammer that first bashes you, then fries you with lightning. He's noble and he's cunning, but he's not a rocket scientist. He's not that smart, but more than any other character in this entire bracket, all 64 slots, this is the most epic superhero of them all all right steve what do you think uh, god i don't know man uh thor i just i remember looking at those comic books as a kid and and shaking my head and saying well, who would read that <laughs> <laughs> and yet when the uh when the opposing viewpoint is he's a teenager with powers that's not much of a fight being put up against thor um, you already put in horse Thor. Do you need human Thor as well? <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's that's the other thing. That's an awful lot of Thors. But is horse Thor really Thor? I mean, is he really? I, I not really. It's not like Hawkeye and co Hawkeye. Can God create a Thor that even God could not stand? <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, in the end, I gotta go with my my youthful gut, which would which yeah. would actually I feel compelled to look away when I would see a Thor comic in the store. <laughs> So it's invincible all the way. All right. Phil? Chip. Yes. If I may call you that. You may. <laughs> I encourage it. Or not Tony, whichever works. <laughs> you have been given a thankless task defending Thor, who is objectively the very worst. <laughs> <laughs> My Thor action figure on the shelf staring back at me. Next to my Beta Ray Bill action figure, I'll have you know. Of course. Objects. You've betrayed the memory of that action figure, Chip, if I may call you that. <laughs> I... Try to lift it. Now you cannot, for you are not worthy. Do not know if you are going against Nova. I do not know if you are going up against Invincible. I do not care. I, I hate Thor. And so I must rule for not Thor. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, Invincible moves wow. on. Thor goes home. Huge upset wow. there. It's a spite wow. upset. Those are the best upsets. Man, yeah. it's Latveria, dude. You never know. <laughs> <It's> right. <laughs> Anything can happen in Latveria. region. SMH. So we move on so to... So much uh, hate or shaking my head. I can never remember which that is. <laughs> Here's a good one. Uh, seven seed Black Panther, argued by Chip, versus ten seed Nightcrawler, argued by Monty. Monty, you may go first. Nightcrawler is a teleporting swashbuckler 
with one of the most distinctive sound effects in comic book history. That would be enough for anybody. But he's also a German guy who looks like a demon, which means you can have lots of Catholic imagery if Daredevil isn't using it all. He was an essential part of the X-Men reboot in 1975 when they just shoved people from every country they could think of into the group. And he's also a fun part of the comic book, a uh, fun part of the movies, rather, with Alan Cumming. And also he says unglaublich a lot. I highly recommend saying unglaublich. Also nicht wahr. Nicht yes. wahr. He's part of Chris Claremont's uh, style of writing, which is whatever nationality you are, you have to say a word from that language once per page. It's true, uh, Tavarish. Bois moi. <laughs> <laughs> See? Nightcrawler, won't you? All right. Nightcrawler. Bamf. What, what was the... Oh, Bamf is the... Bamf yeah, is the sound effect. And there's a little puff huh. of brimstone. Yes. And then he teleports to a national park. Never really explained why it smells like brimstone. It's just there. It's the, the dimension that he travels through is a brimstone dimension, apparently. It's because of the Catholic imagery. Chip, Black Panther. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you T'Challa, the Black Panther, the first black superhero in mainstream American comics. He is the ruler of the fictional high-tech African nation of Wakanda, which is concealed from the outside world. He made his debut in Fantastic Four 52 when he invited the FF to his country and promptly defeated all of them, including the Thing, just to test whether he could take out his enemy at a later date. That's pretty badass. He's got super senses, Olympic strength, and agility. He's also one of the eight smartest people on the planet. He's got a PhD in physics. He's an inventor on par with Tony Stark, and he's a bloody king. So, I don't know how they're going to make a movie with this character because he's just too damn perfect. He's like <laughs> Ozymandias from The Watchmen, except he's not crazy. All hail the king. All right. Bill, what do you think? Chip, who is not Tony, raises a number of uh, excellent points. <laughs> However, I would like to say in point of counter-argument, Bamf. <laughs> I rule in favor of Nightcrawler. Hmm. Steve, what do you think? Yeah, I... You had me a teleporting swashbuckler, Monty. It's Nightcrawler for me, too. Wow, Nightcrawler takes it. And our last matchup in the first round... Ladies and gentlemen, number two seed in the in, in the Latveria region, Wolverine, to be argued by Monty, against number fifteen seed. Is it Tigra or Tigra? Andy? And already we know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> in the cartoon, it's pronounced as Tigra. All right, Andy, you may go since you are the underdog. Uh, just like as one of other people has said that the th thing is uh, his favorite character. Tiger is one of my favorites, certainly in Marvel, uh, because she's just cool. Okay. She's, she's strong and fast as Spider-Man. She also has enhanced senses and the, inst but she's also a cat based superhero, but she's not a woman in a cat costume. She is 58% cat. She started out as a human. She went through an experience uh, 10 years ago in con con continuity that she decided that, look, if I'm going to die, I can either go live on as a monster or I can go on as my, uh, go on as, as a dead person. I'd much rather be a monster. The, she been a solo character for most of her career, so she's not really tied into the, as, as an appendage of, of another character. She is a fighter. She has a linear story. 
uh, in which she doesn't have to like she wasn't reinvented 12 times but the thing is like spider-man she's super powered but she can be hurt so she doesn't have a, a, a healing power so she'll survive everything so although she fights alongside she-hulk she's got more skin in the game than she-hulk so i just think that she's a, a b-list character that could be an a-list if you put her in the right uh, right writer's hands okay and wolverine monty First of all, speaking of iconic sound effects, I will just say snicked. Uh, Wolverine is the coolest character in the X-Men. He is the one that made the team gel because he def- he's this immortal loner with cool claws and rage issues, and he can bounce off the other people. He's the one that gives the leader people like Cyclops and Storm somebody to show their leadership on. He's the one that lets a naive character like Kitty Pride uh, have a reason to be because she provides softness to him and he provides her with a reason to go to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> He's the best expression of a comic book character who ought to be a psychopathic murderer but is constantly struggling to be a good guy. And I think that's more interesting than characters who are just good or bad because that's what the story requires them to be. Also, come on, he's Wolverine. All right, Steve, what do you think? Well, as a person with multiple cats, I'm I'm very concerned about the veracity of uh of Tigra's feline pedigree. Uh Andy, does does Tigra uh does she clean herself with her tongue? Uh no, she does not. Okay. Uh, that would be the other 42% then that uh well, that's, she's that's not she, cat. She also does consider fast food to be prey that she's chasing and then will eat. So there's that Interesting. in her favor. All right. Does she poop in a box of sand? No, because generally where she lives, there are plumbing fixtures available. I think Wolverine mm. does, if that helps you decide. <laughs> <laughs> well, that swayed me. Wolverine it is. <laughs> All right, Phil. Come on, Phil. Last one. You can do this. Power through it. Phil is pooping in a box of sand right now. Monty. Yes, sir. <laughs> But do you say that Wolverine is the Raphael of the X-Men, or is he the Leonardo? I would say he is the Raphael. Yeah. Interesting. It is an interesting um, course of advocacy that Andy has taken, in that he did not point out the entirely lame plot where Wolverine becomes a samurai, or... Any of the other horrible things that they have made Wolverine do, because everyone is gaga over Wolverine. However, Monty's words have moved me to allow Wolverine to pass into the next round. I say Wolverine. Wolverine. So it so it is written. So it Were shall those be words, done. Will five hundred dollars do it? <laughs> yes. It is. Yes, it is indeed. Latveria. It's but you you missed your chance. Uh, All right. We have we have taken the field of sixty four down to thirty two. Uh, we've accomplished something. I'm not quite sure what, but it's something. <laughs> we've wait, we've wait, accomplished wait, nothing wait to be proud of, but we've definitely yes. accomplished Why did something. we start with 64? Jesus. <laughs> I it's think, we, how it's I think done. we've established that Gambit is, in point of fact, the coolest X-Men. Clearly. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I'm taking away well, from this. Counting the play-in games, there were like 67. I'll never live that loss down. I'll never live that win down. Oh, I was going to suggest that Jason read out the names of every uh, superhero that won, and then the uh, names of every superhero that lost. So we know no. who's not going on. No. And then maybe we walk away as the uh, Lonely Man theme from the whole place. I would like to thank my participants tonight. 
Steve Lutz and Philip Michaels, thank you for being our judges. Andy and Otko, Chip Sutter, Dan Warren, Lisa Schmeiser, Monty Ashley, and Tony Sindelar, who is Tony, not not Tony. Thank you for being our participants. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. <laughs> Why? That's oh, still here. Oh, they're not listening anymore, Jesus. And we will see you in the future when we resolve more issues involving superheroes. Or not. Goodbye, super friends. That was, uh, that was, that was three hours. (laughs) Come back for round two, everybody. Hooray! (laughs) 